0: Welcome to another edition of the bat round I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, as always, is my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman. Zach, it is a really gross day. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday was a grosser day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it affects my mood, man. It, oh, it, it does for me, too. Yeah, it's, definitely, uh, definitely. Well, I... I uh, like, like... like I come into the studio and it's all gray out. It's mm. wet. It's getting colder. I'm definitely a spring and summer guy. Yeah, we, we talk about the weather. We really, show. we really love
1: the the weather on L- this show. This should be the I, I,
0: well. It's because I'm getting old. <laughs> it's because I'm getting no, old. I, no, no. I, I, I rolled over in bed this morning and lifted my head and hurt my back. Oh, you know, well. so th- that's that's something. Um, the weather's bad, so I'm I'm an old man yelling at a cloud. You know, um, nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's just. It's just one of those days, right, where you wake up and it's gloomy out and it's not mm-hmm. a great start to the day. But we're gonna we're gonna get through that. We have a great episode of the Bat Around today. Uh, we got some. We have a great guest in uh, Stan the Fan. Charles at ten twenty. We got Chandler Rome from the Houston Chronicle coming up at eleven forty. We also have a really good sounding off. From you today, that's going to take the place of the payoff pitch around the league, since there's not much going on around the league other than the World Series. Right. Um, Orioles banter is going to be a fun one today, so it's it's going to be a great show, great show in store for our listeners and our viewers today. World Series Game Three was mm-hmm. last night, and uh, man, that was it was a, it was finally a good one. It was finally a good one. You know, the the uh, the Astros have eight wins this postseason, and. Seven of them are by five runs or less. Mm-hmm. I mean, five runs or more. Mm-hmm. So they're they're winning games and blowouts. And Glenn and I were actually talking about this all this past week on his show, how it hasn't really been a great postseason. To me, this hasn't really been yeah. a memorable postseason because other than that Giants Dodgers series, mm-hmm. at, you know the the Braves taking the the, the Dodgers in six, which was nice. What have you really seen that's been like, oh, man, I'm going to remember that forever?
1: I, I think for me, one of the issues is I don't have a team that I could really get behind from the start. Um, There was never a team that was in this where I was like, wow, I really want them to win. They're the ones I want to win the World Series. And I, I guess maybe that was the White Sox for me early on. And, and for me, when I have a dog in the race, it's a lot more exciting for me. And there's a when there's an actual team that I'm really like behind. And for me, a couple years ago, even in 2017 when the Astros won it all, the Astros were the team for me. I was rooting for them because I loved the idea of the the rebuild and what they had built. And Carlos Correa, I was a big fan of his. Um, I was a big fan of Altuve's before everything happened with them. I think for me, it hasn't been the most Exciting and crazy postseason. Just because I don't really care for any of the teams in this, I just don't have a a team that I'm really rooting for right now. And uh, there's been a lot of blowouts. There's just been a lot of really lopsided games where I I wish it was more of like a one or two run thing, like we saw last night. Yeah,
0: that's that's what I'm saying. When when you look at the fact that the Astros have won eight games and seven of them have been blowouts. Right. Right. You know, you look at that. uh, at that series with the Rays and the Red Sox. And the Red mm-hmm. Sox won game two, 14-6. You saw some 9-1 to games with the Dodgers. Right. It's just like, you're not on the edge of your seat. I, I right. can't... There have been a number of games this... There have been a number of games this postseason mm-hmm. where I'm checked out by the third or fourth inning.
1: Same. You know, Same.
0: where it's like, I'm I'm flipping back and forth. And I'm right. a base. We're baseball guys, right. right? And I'm flipping back and forth because... Honestly, I, I just—it's five nothing. Right. You right. know, it's six to one. Why am I? What's the point of watching? Right. You know what I mean? Like these teams are here for a reason. They have the pitching to be mm-hmm. here. Chances are you're not giving up five or six runs. Now every now and again it happened. In that fourteen to six game, sure, the Rays were up five to yeah, one after right, the first right. inning. Yeah. Right. And they end up losing fourteen to six. There mm-hmm. was a game with the uh, with the White Sox and the Astros where the Astros went up like three to one. The White Sox came back and they went up five to three. Uh, ended up winning that game like ten to six. It was back and forth, but for the most part, the games have been over pretty early. Yeah, and yeah. they still take four and a half freaking hours. You know, I'm not. Yeah, a, that,
1: that's another thing. the games have been very long, yeah, very I, long this postseason. Well, five minute commercial breaks. Yeah, you
2: know, is, I'm yeah.
0: I'm not a. I'm not one of those guys who thinks that we need to change the pace of play. I think that a lot of that comes from where we are as a society right now when we have computers in our in, a, in the palm of our hand mm-hmm. and we have short attention spans. I think that's more so where we've headed as a society yeah. more so than it is, oh, the games are just too long. No, your attention span is just shorter.
1: But four and a half hours in a it, non-extra-innings right. game,
0: that's... Four and a A
1: half hours, it's
0: five-minute commercial breaks. Major League Baseball wants to solve the pace of play thing by changing this, that, and the other. But then in the postseason, you have five-minute commercial breaks.
1: Right. And you're losing most of those people by the third or fourth inning. Because if a game's not close, and if you're having these insanely long commercial breaks, and it's 9 o'clock, and you're in the third inning, and the game's been going for two hours, Mm -hmm. you're going, what do I really need to watch this for anymore? There
0: was a White Sox-Astros game that started at 8.08. I remember that. And it was (laughs) 10.30. And they were in the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because I I was at work when the game started, mm-hmm. right? And I got home and got to watch most of that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, was there a rain delay that I right. didn't know of? Like, what's, what's going on here? Two and a half hours, they're in the fourth inning. It, it, it's, you want to know your pace of play issue, it's the commercial breaks.
1: For sure. I don't think no I doubt. have
0: any sound coming out of my headphones. Really? Like, yeah, I can't. Uh, th- I just feel like my ears huh. are muffled. I'm maybe maybe it's
1: disconnected from the board somehow. I can hear you, so um, you know, your mics yeah, your mics I, mics definitely. Working I know the properly. mics on when I can That's see the, I
0: can see the line moving. I just don't know what's going on with these headphones. Maybe if I try, hang on.
1: Maybe we can figure this out in the break. But no, I mean you're right. There hasn't been a lot of of crazy, exciting moments in this postseason. There hasn't been a lot of close matches in this postseason, and maybe it's it's lost some people. And Again, when you have four-and-a-half, five-hour games, it's just not all that exciting, and there's not a lot of people who are going to stay watching their TV for four-and-a-half, five hours. It's just... I'm not one of those people who can sit down and watch something for five hours straight without losing my attention span.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is better. Okay. Um, and I could hear out of these because I heard the, the intro music and all that. I, I don't know. Got anyway. it. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I... I... I can sit down and watch a baseball game, and when it's the Orioles, if a game goes to extra innings, I'm like, yeah, man, I get to watch the <laughs> Orioles. You know, it's it's Fair. cool. Fair, okay. Um, and a lot of times, I don't want a three-hour game because I want, like, I'm, when I'm sitting down, for me, it's it's an event. I get to like, I want to sit down and watch the game. With the postseason, when the game's over mm-hmm. in, the, in the fifth inning, and I still have an hour and a half, two hours of baseball left because they. Of a four and a half hour game because they have five minute commercial breaks. Right. I, just, I can't deal
1: with that. See, extra innings is different. If they go in tied six six um, into the tenth inning, and you're you're you know th- that's exciting. Like that's what yeah. I would I would spend the extra time to watch that because that's interesting. But if it's nine nothing and we're three and a half hours in, it's the seventh inning. You're like, all right, come on, let's, let's let's move it along at this point. But you're right. I think MLB needs to fix it with the with the commercial breaks for right. sure. And
0: they have advertising all over the stadium, yeah. all over the field, all over the TV. No doubt, they go. They do a split screen where you're still watching the game, but Mm -hmm. then they're also doing an ad. You have plenty of advertising. You make $11 billion a year. Mm -hmm. You're fine. You don't need a five-minute commercial break. However, getting back to the product on the actual field, uh, Braves go up 2-1. to Travis Darnold, after a throwing error in the top of the eighth inning that allowed the tying run to get to third base, he ended up not scoring, but he comes up with a big home run in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh... To to pad the Braves lead, mm-hmm. albeit a small padding. Uh they went, end up winning that game two to nothing. Just a really well pitched game. They silence those Astros bats that have been just firing on all cylinders all postseason. Really good game to watch. Braves again, they take that two to one seriously. You say you don't have a, a, a dog in the hunt. I,
1: for for me No. For me, it's the Braves. For me it's the Astros. I would yeah. I would root for the Astros more than the Braves, but I, I don't really Care all that much who the winner is. Um, I, I uh, honestly, what I want to see is just a really good World Series. I want to see close games. I want to see a fight down to the end in every single inning. That's more what I'm rooting for as opposed to an actual team.
0: Yeah, no, I, I want to see good baseball. Right, I want to see right. good games. Last night was a good game. Last night was a fun game. It's the eighth inning. You're on the edge of your seat. It's the ninth inning. Bregman leads off for the single. And you're like, oh, man, this is the heart of their it's good order. Good stuff, yeah. Alvarez is coming up. Correa is coming up. This could be a two-run homer, and they could tie the game. It wasn't. The next three guys went went three out three down. But it's exciting. Mm-hmm. That's that's exciting. No that's, what, that's what I hope. If the Braves don't win the World Series, if the Astros win the World Series, but games three through seven are just legitimately good, edge of your seat baseball games, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm in my element there. That's and that's all I'm really looking for. Now, the Orioles were looking for some awards this offseason since the regular season didn't provide them <laughs> with much of anything. Yeah. Uh Trey Mancini named the Sporting News and Player's Choice American League Comeback Player of the Year.
1: Duh. Right. Yeah, I was and I, I'm going to say most likely the actual Comeback Player of the Year when right. when uh the, the,
0: the, the Baseball Writers Association of America.
1: Right, award. the real the real legitimate award he will probably There's no problem. No probably. He will win that He's award. He's going to win that. Yeah.
0: It's going to be a clean sweep for Trey.
1: But great to see him win, you know, these other ones before that happens. Yeah. So just, I'm just glad kind to see of, it.
0: kind of re- reaffirms that he's the winner. I mean, there's
1: no one else that you can even really consider. There's no one else. Tra- Trey Mancini is a true comeback player. Some of the players that they nominate for comeback player, it just doesn't even make sense. I'm like, but they played, you know, number one, they, they played in like 2020, mm-hmm. and they were not all that bad. So how can you call them a comeback? I, I, I don't really define that term the same way I think maybe some of these outlets do.
0: Yeah, well, uh, and the other thing is, you have comeback player of the year, I think, in both leagues. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but I heard one guy, and I can't remember who he was talking about, so I probably shouldn't even say it, but I'm going to anyway. Um, <laughs> one guy called on a game, and somebody got a big hit or a big home run. This mm-hmm. is in the regular season. He's like, and that's why he should be comeback player of the year. And I'm like, no, no, that's not what that means. <laughs> Tre- <laughs> right. Tre- Trey Mancini beat stage 3 colorectal cancer. Exactly, He's a comeback player of the year. Exactly. The second it, he stepped foot on the field, he's a comeback player. Of the
1: to year. me, it's coming back from an injury, coming back from something that didn't let you play the previous year. It's not coming back from, from a, a from year. a bad year. That yeah. that's what I'm trying to define it as. And Although
0: I, I do think that Cody Bellinger's is going to come out and win comeback player
1: of the year next year.
0: He had a bad year. Maybe It was riddled with injuries, shoulder surgery in the offseason last year, the broken leg to start this year and then just really really terrible in September. Yeah. I uh, he's my he's already my early choice for okay. comeback player of the year next year. But anyway, moving on. Ryan Mountcastle, this is a big one. He's named the, the Players' Choice AL Most Outstanding Rookie. Now, this is the award voted on by his peers, so his mm-hmm. peers yeah. chose him as the Rookie of the Year, the Most Outstanding Rookie. There you go. He's not going to win no. the Baseball Writers Association of America. He, from what I've read, he's got no steam in that race um, for the for the BBWAA, which is ridiculous to me. You, you can make the argument that Adolis Garcia. Is the um, he was a better defender, so he had the higher war. Uh, Yeah, but Mountcastle's a better hitter, right? Yes and, and, yes, and he plays he plays first base, where you don't get a ton of recognition for defensive runs saved and um, wins above replacement as a defender at first base. Yeah, it, I mean I, I'm not not an expert on these stats by any means, but I feel like you get less uh not- less noticed at first base than you do if you're playing a corner outfield spot.
1: Yeah, I, I think you definitely are... I, I don't want to use the word discriminated against, but maybe just look down upon, I guess, for being a first baseman. First basemen are always kind of looked down upon because they're arguably maybe the least athletic players on the field, even though Ryan Malkas is a very good athlete. Mm-hmm. But you don't get a lot of defensive value out there. And, and sure, Dolas Garcia is a great defender. For me, it's not even Adolis Garcia. For me, it's Luis Garcia. I think Luis Garcia is the guy that... Actually deserves Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I think Mountcastle's right there behind him. But when you you put up 2.6 WAR and you put up a three 3-3 ERA, a one one whip, I mean these are really good numbers. I think that uh, Luis Garcia deserves that award. I put but Shane
0: McClanahan up there too. Shane
1: McClanahan, sure, had a good year. And, and I think it's fair to say too that it's almost hard to compare pitchers and hitters for this award. Yeah. It, th- and that's why Rookie of the Year is such a a tough award to give out because can you really compare a guy like Luis Garcia to Ryan Mountcastle? They can pl- they play opposite positions they don't do anything the same so how can you really compare them i i think if there were two awards then malcastle would win the batting one garcia should win the pitching one that's my yeah, thought on
0: it but i'll be happy i mean i'm not gonna i'm not like gonna be like happy like rah rah happy but mm-hmm. i i will be fine if garcia or mcclanahan win rookie of the year it's gonna bother me Adolis, if Adolis yeah. or even Randy Orosarena. yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Arosarena had a nice year. He, he was did. A, he, he was a 2020 guy,
1: but I, I think the hype surrounding him is the the reason he would win. Yeah, and I don't like yeah.
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mountcastle hit 33 homers. He drove mm-hmm. in 89 runs and was an absolute monster. Now the the batting average was lower than you'd want it to be. He hit about 255 mm-hmm. this year, but I think Adoles hit like 230.
1: Yeah, I mean, Adoles wasn't better in that and, and he
0: really faded down the stretch. Yeah. And Arosa Reyna, I think, hit like 275, mm-hmm. something like that. He had a nice year. Um, but if one of the pitchers wins and Mountcastle doesn't, that's fine. And even, fine. If, even if somebody else wins... It doesn't mean that Mountcastle wasn't deserving that he's not a good player. No. It just means he put, he was a really good rookie on a really bad team. And
1: it also means he's a first baseman. Yeah. That's that's the other part of it. Yeah. If Ryan Mountcastle played corner outfield and he was an incredible corner outfielder, then maybe he would have a much better chance. I, I think defense doesn't factor in as much as maybe some would think, but then again, it might factor in far, as far as like position-wise goes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I he well, had be, a great year, and I'm and happy with what he did.
0: The thing is also... Mountcastle got off to a really rough start. He did. Right? Yeah. Really bad yeah. month of April. Um, and he. But then after that, he was kind of consistent mm-hmm. the rest of the year. He just went out and just kind of did it day in and day out the rest right. of the season. Adoles, what he did, mashing like 26 home runs in the first half of the season, he did it all in a flurry, and people just remembered how incredible he right. was for three months. That that's what sticks in their mind. Like, oh, this dude hit 26 home runs in the first half of the season. Yeah, right. well, he hit like six in the second half.
1: Not only that, if you look at Adoles Garcia, it was just... If you look at any of his numbers, they're all so inflated in April, May, June. Then when it goes after the all-star break, it's it's definitely a big drop-off for him. And again, we know about the defense. We get it. Adoles Garcia is not there. It, it's really, it really comes down to McClanahan, Garci- the other Garcia, Luis Garcia, or Ryan Mountcastle, in my eyes.
0: Hey, guys. Just want to remind you, the batter around is brought to you by the Ravens and M&T Bank Stadium. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com/tickets. Now another uh, another award went to Mark Belanger, who died in 1998 at the age of 54. Yes. He is the 2021 recipient of the Curt Flood Award, which is given to a former player, living or deceased, who, in the image of Flood, demonstrated a selfless, long-time devotion to the Players Association and advancement of players' rights. It's cool. It's uh, awesome. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's that's definitely an awesome award. 23 years after he died, mm-hmm. I wonder it's a like l- a little
1: late. I wonder
0: like how they picked. Like, yeah, how did you? Did they like like? I'm not gonna say they drew his name out of a hat, but mm-hmm. like the guy's been gone for 23 years. How did he right. just randomly get picked
1: this it year? It seems like if there were to be an honor for him, it would have happened in like 1999
3: or yeah. like <laughs> 2001,
0: right? Like it would have made sense been... if
1: this was more recent after his death than 23 years. But I, it, nonetheless, I'm happy to see him. Yeah,
0: no- nonetheless, it's a, it's Mark Belanger, who's arguably one of the greatest yep. uh, defensive shortstops in the history of the Baltimore Orioles. Eight gold gloves. Eight gold gloves, exactly. Um, getting recognition and notoriety posthumously um yeah I, I i don't know why it was him that was picked i'm glad that yeah. it was it's just I, I i and we're gonna ask stan about it he probably doesn't know either but mm-hmm. it's, uh, 23 years after he died it, it, it's just it's odd timing yeah be.
1: it's it's a little late you almost think yeah, um, more than two
0: decades yeah
1: i don't know but uh, again we're glad to see him be picked um Absolutely. and i'm glad to see any Oriole get any award honestly i love it yeah
0: uh, we were talking about the forty-man roster last week, and we mentioned how uh, Thomas Eshelman, Valeka and Connor Wade—it um, w- was Connor Wade, right? Not Connor Green. Connor Wade, yes. Connor Wade. Uh, how they were all um, put on waivers. They cleared waivers. Were outrighted. Well, all three—Eshelman, Pavelka, and Connor Wade—they all elected free agency after clearing waivers. Um, so goodbye. I, w- I wish them well. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> uh, that's the way I'll
1: put it. I I am not upset with this news at all.
0: You sounded like the. Um, when AOL, when you would get off the internet in the late 90s, AOL is a, li- a little bit old for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, the. Goodbye. That's what exactly goodbye. what it sounded like.
1: Well, I, I'm saying goodbye to these guys because I highly doubt any of them are going to be Orioles again. Maybe maybe Eshelman. Some way Eshelman's, love gonna, Eshelman. Eshelman's gonna find his way back onto this team at some point. But I, I think for the rest of the guys it's it's a it's a goodbye, and I'm not upset with that. Because I think when you look at this, it really is about the advancement of the team and about who's coming next. We know they're adding more players to the forty man roster. They're gonna be drastically better than a Connor Weed. So, you know, we're excited for that. Oh,
0: Absolutely, and, and and that's the other thing. It's like you're at a point now in the rebuild where you're probably done using retreads, and yeah. and yeah. never worse. Not no offense to anybody on the list. Um, and you're at a point now where you're bringing up your rookies and your sure. your, your top prospects and you're evaluating them on the field. And right. that's the logical next phase. And the Orioles kind of entered that this past year. It didn't work out very well at all. But it's the yeah. next phase of the rebuild before after this coming season. You're probably like, all right, let's 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 start gearing up for a run here.
1: I feel the phase is kind of clouded. I think it's almost where the Orioles are in the middle of two of them right now, where they're still going to try these retreads, but they're going to be higher level retreads, if that makes sense. It's going to be a guy that, you know, was really good in 2019, instead of a guy who was really good in 2016, if that makes any sense at all. Because you're you're looking at higher level guys, you're looking at bringing in better talent than what you were um, you know, two or two, three years ago, and the Orioles are going to make, more, hopefully, we assume, more free agent moves than they have in the past, and hopefully more quality free agent moves than they have in the past, and it might be a Bit higher level of not so great player than it was two years ago.
0: Yeah, somebody like a Matt Duffy.
1: Sure, yeah, some, that's like a, a great du- example.
0: Like a Matt Duffy, who you could put at third base, and he's had he's had a really good year or two. Uh, some some injuries that led to ineffectiveness, and if he's healthy and and you know willing to play for about two to five million, sure, you could put him at third base, and he probably won't yeah. hurt you. Somebody like that, I, I I totally get what you're saying. We gotta get sand on the line while uh while Zach does that. Uh, we are, like I said, we're going to have Stan here in a matter of moments. Uh, sounding off with Zach Goodman around 11 o'clock. It's going to be a good one. It's about Kyle Schwarber potential link to the Orioles. Uh, Orioles bantered at 1115 Baseball America, released their top 10 Orioles prospects. Um, but more so, they released their 2025 uh, Orioles starting lineup and who they think has the best tools at different positions. Um, so Zach and I are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about these awards a little bit more in depth Um for the Orioles during Orioles banter we have Chandler Rome from the Houston Chronicle 1140 and as always everybody's favorite and I'm going to go ahead and say the the last installment of take the rake because honestly the World Series could be over by tomorrow yeah I think that makes sense so the last installment of take the rake until next next uh regular season um but now moving on to more important matters we have Stan the fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment Stan thanks for taking a couple of minutes this morning how are you today
4: I'm fine. So you guys are both convinced it's over, huh?
0: Not convinced that it's over, but in the chance that it could be, we're not going to make yeah. any picks
1: if there's only two games left. I, I think Braves. you kind of feel where the momentum's going a little bit. I think the Braves just have that momentum right now that I don't feel with the Astros. And they've just been so hot. I, I you, you knock off a team like the Dodgers. I, I believe you can do anything.
4: Well, I picked the Braves, but you know uh, to me this is uh, still anybody's uh, anybody's game Who, who's starting tonight for the Braves
0: uh, it's going to be a bullpen game
4: yeah uh, right.
0: I, I don't think they've been, and tomorrow is going to be a bullpen game for them too and that's why i'm not counting out the astros i'm not saying that it's right. over by any stretch when you're going to have right. a bullpen game and as much as they've used their bullpen anything can happen the astros got cranky and even though he's not what cranky. he once was Greinke is still Zach granky, He's a borderline Hall of Fame pitcher. Probably is a Hall of Fame pitcher.
4: Yeah, probably.
0: And he's got that pedigree. You're he's he's going to make the start tonight. I, I think the Astros go out and win, especially after that 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 performance I, last night. I
1: don't like Atlanta using a bullpen game. I, I think don't. that's a major mistake. They're, they're
0: doing it two days in a row. Doing I it tomorrow do not today. like that. Stan, um, what are your World Series thoughts? Uh, to this point, We've, uh, we're have we through game three. Braves have a 2-1 to lead. They got a great pitching performance out of Ian Anderson and the rest of that. And then that bullpen yesterday shut down that high-powered Astros offense. Charlie Morton breaks his leg game one. Still manages to throw 96 and gets three outs, including two Ks, after the, the broken leg. Um, where How are you feeling about this World Series so far?
4: Well, game one, I spent the first four or five innings in the uh, emergency room. Oh, uh, what happened? Are you all right? I'm um, getting a little better. I had a freak accident with uh, helping a friend of mine, my neighbor, remove a tree that had fallen in across our street. And a truck went, came by. And uh, if you think about it this way, there's a big branch on the tree that the truck engaged. And it was going very slow. And then all of a sudden it got past it and it swung back and hit me like a slingshot.
0: Wow! Oh my gosh!
4: Yeah, with a force, uh, I, I'm not being ki- I'm not kidding. It was like the force of being hit with like a thin baseball bat, you know? Wow! Oh wow! Yeah, yeah well, on wow. my leg, and luckily it didn't hit my head or oh, eyes yeah, or anything like that.
0: That's definitely scary. I'm glad that you're okay. We're sorry to hear yeah, about so the accident.
4: I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on the injured reserve list. So the first game, I, I kind of, I remember seeing the ball hit. I was in the hospital, saw it on TV, hit the ball, hit uh, Morton, and thought, oh, it must have hit his back heel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he fell awkwardly the next inning, you know, after that pitch too, can't remember who that pitch was to, whether it was Altuve or or who it was. But I think he it was Altuve. He sort of stumbled. He sort of stumbled. I said, "Oh God, I bet he hurt his knee," because I didn't have real good sound, mm-hmm. uh, and then quickly realized it. So that's a huge, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, forcing the Braves to try and go with two bullpen games uh, in a row um, to to get, you know to get through these two games and try and, you know, hopefully win one and come out with a, a lead after these two games.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's certainly going to be interesting. Like I said, that's exactly why I'm not, I'm not calling this thing over uh, by any stretch. It, I think the yeah. b- bullpen games, back-to-back games, is certainly a, a, a tough thing to try and navigate through. Um,
4: well, what would their other option be? I mean, Smiley, I wrote the piece I wrote about it on PressBoxOnline.com. I thought Smiley would have been used a little more by now. And I thought he was. I thought it was very interesting that the Braves. I think they have four or five left-handers uh, on their pitching staff, uh, and I think that's a good thing when you when you're trying to get. Jordan Alvarez out, you know, a few times.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's actually yeah. why I didn't take Alvarez in a take to rake this week is because they have a lot of lefties on that Braves team. Yeah. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, you're looking, at, you're looking at what they have in that bullpen. You, you have Smiley. You have Wright. Um, I guess one of those – both of those guys could uh, – and there's only two innings pitched between those two guys. So yeah. you're looking at maybe – you have each one of them give you a few innings and, and hope they can get you into the third or the fourth inning and then go with Yeah, I would think that there.
4: Jesse Chavez will pitch an inning plus tonight, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I mean.
4: Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll muddle through it. Um, you know, look, uh, teams, uh, it's very clear you look at the Dodgers, $230 million, $240 million payroll, and they were struggling with games, you know, pitched by the bullpen um it's sort of the it's partly the pandemic you know the coming these these pitchers are really extended right now, yeah. you know most of them yeah yeah
0: no it, it's been and I think that's been evident I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to it's been evident that uh these pitchers coming off of last year where they only pitched what at most 70 innings if you were a really good starter last year. If you were
4: a really good starter, you might have pitched 50-plus innings, but the right. bullpen people pitched 20 innings last year.
0: Exactly, you know? and, and now you're being called upon some of these guys to, to throw 60, 70 innings yeah. uh, coming out of the bullpen. It's it's, it's, it's a ramp-up, you know. And,
5: it's, and, you,
4: and you look at, I mean, going back to the Orioles for just a second, somebody like Tanner Scott, I was immensely disappointed in the second half of his season. But when you when you factor that in, that here's a guy who was probably building up from 22 innings to not only the innings pitched, it's the times up in the bullpen yeah. on a bad pitching staff. He must have been running on fumes from August 1st on, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think it's been evident all around baseball that, that pitching took a big hit this year because of what happened with the pandemic last year. I mean, you can't go from throwing 180 innings to throwing 55 innings and then back up to throwing 180 innings again. You're, the body yep. just doesn't work that way, no matter how much you do in the offseason. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the rest yep. of this World Series plays out and see if that... And I have no doubt that, that Astros' uh, offense can bounce back. I mean, Stan, Zach and I were talking about it in the opening of the show... The Astros have eight wins this year in the postseason and seven of them are by five runs or more. I mean, that's a, that's a high powered offense that the Braves shut down last night.
4: Nope. No question about it. No question about it. And it can, it can explode at any time. But I will tell you, um, the Braves bullpen was something I had not witnessed all year, really until the Brewers series and then the Dodgers series and, uh, what they're getting out of you know Matzik and Smith right now, and uh, the good news for them is Luke Jackson has come back after you know mm-hmm. a real down, uh, couple performances against the Dodgers. He's been pitching lights out too, so they're 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 an interesting team, no question about yeah. it.
0: And it certainly seems like each bullpen guy is using the other bullpen guy's performance as fuel. You know what I mean? They're yep. they're they're, yep. they're built they're playing off each other, which is nice to see from a team. Now, uh, Stan, moving on to other things, Bob Melvin is the new manager of the San Diego Padres. He was under contract with the A's through 2022, but they granted permission to interview with the Padres, and he ends up signing a three-year, I think it was $11 million deal with the Padres as their new manager. This seems highly unusual to me. Especially when when Oakland is competitive year in and year out. I believe that they're that they're on the verge of getting a new stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's under contract mm-hmm. for another year.
4: At that verge has been going on for several years now. That's
0: true. But that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But th- th- they're, they're not really
4: close to getting a new stadium. Right. There's but, all kinds of problems there.
0: Yeah, that, and that's unfortunate because they're, they're a great ball, ball club with a terrible stadium. Yeah. A terrible stadium. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it seems unusual to me that, A, they were granted permission to make what many would call a lateral move, and B, not get any kind of compensation in return for letting their manager go to the Padres. How did that play out, and why did it play out?
4: Well, while it seems really crazy to think that, say, a savings of $2 million is what they were trying to do, that appears to be the sole reason. I mean, I, there's never been a hint that they've been dissatisfied with Bob Melvin. Mm-hmm. He he gets paid like the best manager. You know, he makes $4 million a year, and I read that he's getting that same $4 million with San Diego yeah. for three years. So that would be $12 million. Um And apparently the uh, A's will go into the uh, next season, I'm assuming, They'll hire Mark Kotze as their manager. You know, he's been their third base coach, and he's been a bench coach. um, And he played for the A's for a while. Um, And I assume he'll get the job, and I assume he'll get it for $1.7 to $2 million. So you go, really? That's what they're saving by getting, you know, rid of Bob Melvin? Uh, This might have just been a politeness factor to Bob Melvin, but it's hard for me to imagine they couldn't have extracted some type of prospect. Uh you know, even if it's like a nineteen or twenty year old guy that four years from now might help him or something. Right. So it was I it was odd, I would agree with you. Very odd that they just let him go. But it seems like it was a cur- like a sort of a courtesy.
1: Yeah. Oakland, by the way, is, is interviewing Ron Washington, so we'll see if that ends up uh, ends up. Well, going through. Wash
4: is certainly a guy I figured they consider, but you know, Kotze has, and and that would certainly be a good choice. But um, uh, Kotze has been around and has interviewed for a couple other jobs, um, and so mm-hmm. I, I think it's clearly between the two of them. They, there's no question they like Ron Washington.
1: So besides how weird this is with Oakland getting rid of a really good manager, in my opinion, he's top five. I think he's maybe not – he might be the best manager in baseball with with Bob Melvin. But how do you think Bob Melvin actually – Fits with the Padres themselves. Can he, you know, with, with his age and where he is in his career, can he kind of mix with the younger personalities like Fernando Tatis Jr.? Because there is a lot of young personality on that uh, San Diego roster that you may have have looked at them trying to hire a, a guy who's a bit younger and can kind of mix with those personalities. How do you think? Yeah, Milton but fits you in also
4: there? you also would look at somebody. I, I'm sure that Bob Melvin is, and I'm not. Pointing fingers, but unlike Buck Showalter, is viewed as somebody that is analytic friendly, hundred uh, yeah. percent. Yeah, friendly and grasps them and and all of that. And I think that they need they needed a, a real grown up running that team. Uh, so yeah, I think sense. they've come away with about the best possible outcome they could have from firing Jace Tingler. Uh, and well, I don't think Preller was was embarrassed by the owner or the you know the managing partner, I think it was clear that the managing partner was laying down the law that we're getting somebody in here that's got some experience
0: yeah I certainly uh, think that Bob Melvin going to the Padres is definitely i mean it, it, for one if you manage the Oakland athletics mm. you have to be uh, analytically savvy, one hundred percent. I would, I would imagine. That now he's going over there, and it's not like he's—he's he's no spring chicken, but he's only sixty years old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's not like he's seventy-six, like like Tony La Russa um, Sure. And, and he's had—he's had young superstar players. I mean, he has—he has uh Matt Matt Olson. Over there, he yeah. had Marcus Simeon for yeah, a little bit.
4: Yeah, Simeon, you know, he's had, he's had his share. I mean, he handles all kinds of personalities very well. My, no my point
1: is, I think it's a little bit more... I, I just think it's a lot more difficult to handle a team like the Padres and who they have, because they are a fiery team with a lot of different kind of personalities on that team. It might be a little bit different than handling a team like the Oakland A's. That was my, my point there. But I have no doubt that Melvin will do a pretty good job. But
0: yeah, and I think there is yeah. something to be said for... Yeah, you have these fiery guys, but if they believe in their manager, yeah, they don't want to play for. It, well, I think
4: I think what's what's happened there is I think if if they had if they had somehow gotten to the playoffs and done pretty well, and then then Bob Melvin becomes their manager, they're not they're not as open to listening to him. That that's a fragile ego right now on mm-hmm. that collective team. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the players, Bob Melvin doesn't have a fragile ego he knows what he's doing right. but that collective group of players they were a major disappointment and I think that opens them up to to some new leadership yes. and somebody that's calm and uh, will drive the bus uh, calmly you know one of the most interesting things about their managerial pursuit was how it centered the less it centered over one day that Ozzie Guillen was a c- candidate for their managerial job. Yeah. And it alluded to the fact that they don't have much Latin experience. You know, there's no Latin in their in their uh, system, um, in their coaching staff or managerial staff. I wonder, it'll be interesting, it alluded to the fact this is some way to get a job. He said he knows Manny Machado very well. Uh, but I wonder if, Really, that was a smokescreen, in what they were already talking about, because it, the news came out that he was a candidate for the manager's job, and then like six hours later, Bob Melvin had the job. Yeah. So I wonder if they weren't looking at Dean as bench coach, and and that still sure. comes to pass.
0: Uh, the, you, know? y- you may be right. That's something that we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on uh, yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, like you said, the Padres were a major disappointment this past year. Oh, terrible. With all the talent that they have, and they finished below 500. Mm -hmm. With all the talent that they have on that roster, I'll tell you, next to Kevin Cash, nobody's done more with less, in my opinion, than Bob Melvin. And him going into a a team with arguably more talent than he's ever had on a roster, I think it's a great move. For the, yeah.
4: for the Padres. No it's, it's, question. It's, it's, I think we're all in agreement, though. Yeah. It's a great move.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, some Orioles, Stan, were recognized this past week uh, by their peers. Ryan Mountcastle named the AL Outstanding Rookie of the Year uh, by the MLBPA. Uh, now, this isn't the official award. The official award will be announced next cool. month um, for the Baseball Writers Association, um, uh, the Baseball Writers of America Association, their um, Rookie of the Year voting. But this is kind of a big deal for Malcass because he was recognized by his peers, and some may argue that that's a bigger deal because it's the people, it's his contemporaries, it's the people that he's playing with who are not, who are saying this guy was the rookie of the year. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Um, was to be quite honest, was never aware that there was an award chosen by the MLBPA. I wasn't aware uh, of this it, either. Yeah, I, I so I don't know. I guess it means that the players, if the players voted for him. Yeah, that's always a good thing, you know. It's always a good thing if the players choose you. Um, I would think that he's the rookie of the year in the American League, but, you know, I mean, that guy for uh, Texas uh, got off to an incredible start, and his numbers at the end are impressive, you know, with the stolen bases. Um. So he's certainly a candidate, and there's one other guy, isn't there another guy that's... Uh... Luis
1: Garcia for the Astros is a, is yeah. a good candidate. Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, he would be certainly a strong candidate as well, but uh, to me, I-, I really was impressed with Moundcastle. Now, the only thing that deflects against him winning by the writers to me is possibly they'll say, well, God, he spent half the season in the big leagues the year before, Mm -hmm. while technically it didn't take him from being a rookie, he had, you know, much more of a leg up experience-wise in the big leagues than the other two guys, so that's the only thing that would keep him, but clearly to me, he had the best season of any of the rookies.
1: So Paul and I spoke about this earlier on the show, but a guy like Randy Rosarena, who is a playoff hero. We know that he was a playoff hero right. in twenty twenty. He also
4: was eligible, he, right?
1: He's also right. eligible to win Rookie of the Year. Is his hype and what comes around him is that all because of what he did in the playoffs in twenty twenty, or do you think it's actually you know uh, justified for a guy who had a pretty good year this year?
4: No, I think he's a. I think he's a really, really good player, uh, Randy arena and I think they. Uh, I don't disagree. They were, they, they kind of really knew what they were getting from from him in that deal. And that deal, I, I think we've talked about this once before. That was one of the players that got stolen from me by the pandemic. Because I read an article on the way down to spring training, uh, going to Sarasota in March of twenty. We went. My cousin and I went on March the fourth, just before all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read this article that that was really the guy that they wanted. Because if you remember, they traded. A top pitching prospect named Matt Libertori to the Cardinals. A left lefty, like a future Andrew Miller, for Jose Martinez and this little-known prospect at the time, Randy Rosarina And I started looking at him, and I said, "Boy, I'm going to take him on as one of my ultra picks." And then he, and then he, my league shut down, and I didn't get to, didn't get to get him.
0: Yeah, it's it would have been a great get, and you know you made the. Argument. I mean, he went
4: for he ended up going this year for twenty nine dollars going into his rookie season, based on what people had seen him do in the postseason the year before. Well, and he so. certainly
0: had a great year. He had over two seventy. Yeah. He had over twenty homers, stole over twenty bases. It was a great year yeah. for yeah. He he's, he's a
4: terrific he's, player.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I thought the award was his to lose. To start this year, and then Mountcastle came on and had such a big, consistent year, and yeah. Dallas Garcia got off to the hot start. As a matter of
4: fact, I we left him out of the three we talked about. I would think he would be number one or number two for yeah. Rosario. He's gonna. He's I gonna think. Uh, I, I, th- I think Garcia, Texas, his batting average sort of showed a, a, a flaw in his game, and yeah, there's going to be too much swing and miss there. For sure.
3: I,
0: I think you're probably right, although I have seen that he might be the favorite for Rookie of the Year. Yep. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yep. Be he might, he a might get it.
4: Yep.
0: Um Trey Mancini named the Sporting News and the MLBPA AL comeback player of the year. Uh, this was a foregone conclusion. The second he set foot on the Major League field and started producing, he was the comeback player of the year. He's going to get the award from the Baseball Writers Association of America. No surprise there, right, Stan?
4: None, none whatsoever. No, nope. yeah. uh, not even, not even close. Might be the comeback player of all time, you know. Yeah, absolutely. For what, he, what he went yeah. through.
0: Now, you made a prediction about five to six weeks, to, with about five to six weeks to go in the season, The trade would maybe hit 21, 22 homers and drive in maybe 70. He was already pretty close. At that point, he already had 20 homers and like 63, 64 RBI, something along those lines. He went out and he homered that night. I remember watching him being like, Stan, just yeah. said. But then he didn't homer again the rest of the year, so you actually turned out to be pretty spot on with your prediction for him. Um, How much? Now he got a scare back in June. Some blood work came back a little abnormal that that gave him a scare that he had to deal with for about two weeks. How much do you think that scare impacted his output this year?
4: Uh, I think the scare was part of the overall fatigue he had. You know, even if it only lasted a couple weeks, it sounds like the timing of it was uh, rather extraordinary that while he didn't get chosen to be on the all-star team, he was sort of chosen as a special entry into the home run derby contest. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think he was, I think from that point on, he was kind of running on fumes. I think he was physically and emotionally kind of exhausted. And uh, it was important for him to finish the season not on the I.L. for any kind of uh, reason, any kind of reason. Uh, and he kind of he muddled through the last couple months of the season, but he was certainly a shadow of what he was. Uh, we had Rich Dubroff on the other night on our Monday night Zoom, and he kind of confirmed uh, the same thing, that it was just a sort of a minor miracle that he had the overall season that he had. Uh, from for, from what he went through, but that there's no question. I mean, uh, from July second on, he hit six home runs and drove in sixteen RBIs. It yeah. wasn't the same player, you know. Yeah, and, and you'd and... have to believe it was sort of an emotional, uh, emotional and physical fatigue. You know.
0: Oh, absolutely! It, it was yeah. certainly a daunting season from start to finish, just to come back from what he went through, and then to yep. be expected to go out there and perform. And I don't think anybody expected him to be Trey Mancini from 2019. But there's still expectations on him and to try and live up to. That. He may have been pressing a little bit, you know. Yep. You, you never really know with these things. Now, Stan, there are ta- there are talks that Trey could be a Trey candidate this offseason. season. I don't think there's a market for Trey Mancini. I just don't. I think mm-hmm. the people. I I agree. I think the people are wary. Um, About the health, and I think they're also worried that he just honestly—if it weren't for what he was coming back from—his season was mediocre. With that in mind, I don't think the Orioles extend him. But do you think that they offer him arbitration this year and go and just let him walk in free agency after 2022? Do you think that he sticks around that way? I'm not
4: quite sure what what's going to happen there. It's it's certainly a a clouded uh, situation. I I think we'd agree that nobody is going to give us and and first of all the. The, the sort of point of view that most people said was that he won't get traded because there's just too many players sort of like him mm-hmm. in terms of what they can accomplish on the field. That doesn't take in to account what he means to this team, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I would still hold out some hope that he ends up being an Oriole for longer than this year. But right now I think uh, he's going to, It'll be a one-year deal to come back to the Orioles. I don't see the Orioles being willing to, uh, um, you know, trade trade him for what they'll get back now, and that the the upside of getting either a draft pick if he leaves without any trade situation, um, you know, I I think he's going to be an Oriole next year, and probably what the club is hoping is he has a monster first half and they can trade him, you know, and get a couple prospects.
0: Yeah, and honestly, he'll be a year and a half removed when the season starts from finishing up uh, chemotherapy, which means he could be that much stronger, and Trey bounces back to close to what he was in 2019, especially with what you consider is going to be in this Orioles lineup next year. It could be something that's, that's really good for the Orioles, and really good for Trey uh, next yep. year, so I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing and, that place And out.
4: there's a, still a possibility uh, that the timing will play out that he will get some type of two-year extension by the Orioles after this year, you know, yeah, if he somehow makes it through the season with the team, I could see them then, you know, he's not going to get, he's not going to get the 19 or 20, $21 million a year deal, no. you know, but he, he's certainly, if he has a big year next year, could be a 12 or $13 million player on a two-year deal, you know, Two years at thirteen each, or something like that. Yeah. I think somebody would sign them for that.
0: Yeah, and fair. If if he has, uh, uh, let's hope it's the Orioles because he means a lot more than just what he does on the field to this. Yeah, to this I
4: would. Have, I still agree. You sure. Know. Now, uh, Mark, agree.
0: Mark Belanger is a 2021 recipient of the Kurt Flood Award. We were talking a little bit earlier. It's, it goes to a former player, living or deceased, who, in the image of Flood, demonstrated a selfless, long-time devotion to the Players Association advancement of players' rights. Certainly happy that uh, Belanger received this award posthumously. Uh, however, it's been 23 years since he passed on. Um, how do they go about? And maybe you don't know, but how do they go about just choosing these guys? It seems like kind of random to me.
4: Well, well, I got to be honest with you. Just like I was unaware there was an MLBPA uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, I was unaware that this award even existed. Yeah, I
0: didn't know about it either till I till yeah. I saw it. It just yeah. it seemed odd to me that it's been 23 years since he passed away, and now yeah. he's getting an award. Like I don't know what goes into that,
4: but I, I don't I don't either. Uh, other than trying to, it's more rather than honor an honoring of Mark. It seems like it's more of an honoring of the power of the Players Association that they now have these awards that are popping up. Um, yeah. you know, I, I it seems like they're trying to not prop themselves up, but they've they've sort of wanted to to do this and Major League Baseball maybe out of some gesture of courtesy is allowing them on this on this stage this week to have their own kind of awards uh, you know yeah. that are meaningful that are meaningful to them. Certainly Mark gave his post-playing career uh, to to the players, you know, you know, to the Players Association. There's no
0: question about it. For sure, for sure. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about before we talk about who you're going to have on the show this week, uh, Cedric Collins, yeah. he's a finalist for the Silver Slugger, but he, in my opinion, got snubbed as a finalist for the Gold Glove. He's not a finalist. Were you surprised that he is not a finalist for the Gold Glove considering how much of a defensive standout he was all
4: season long? I'd have to know who the—I haven't seen who the finalists are, um, but it's not, not a giant surprise. I Look, for the Baltimore Orioles, Cedric Mullen is a t- one terrific player. To get uh, up in arms about some type of snub, uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, his throwing arm is a real weakness, uh, but I'd, I'd like to know who the other people that uh, are going to win the Gold Glove Awards are. Uh, but, so I don't see him as a major snub, uh, but I also, despite the fact he had a tremendous year for the Orioles and a stark year for the Orioles, I also don't see him as a sort of a slugger uh, when he drove in 59 runs. So,
5: yeah, yeah uh, you no, know,
4: I, I, it's, I get it's that. A little, it's a little odd to me, but there, there's no question you can't take away what the guy did. He had a historic season for the Baltimore Orioles.
0: Well, the three finalists for center field, by the way, are Kevin Kiermeyer from the Rays, Miles Straw from the Indians, and Michael A. Taylor from the Royals. Certainly all deserving.
4: Uh, I think all three of those guys are a little bit... Look, I like Mullins. Can he win a, a gold glove at some point in his career? No question he can. Uh, but those three guys are pretty damn good. Yeah. Especially uh, Taylor and Kiermeyer in terms of their... Uh, Defensive abilities.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the arm. I think that that's really a, a deterrent for Cedric when it comes to these awards, because you have a. I've said it on the show before. If you have a guy on second base with less than, and somebody gets a base hit to center field, that guy's scoring every time because Cedric's not going to throw him out at the plate. I think that his his weak throwing arm, which is the one knock in his game right now, yep. is probably yep. the deterrent for making him a finalist for these awards.
4: It it is right now. You know, and I repeat, uh, the Orioles had a, a center fielder for a number of years in Al Bumbre who uh, had that same deficiency, and he was able to he was able to work on it. And this is not a, a knock on uh, a Cedric, uh, but there are certain things mechanically you can do uh, that speed you that speed up the whole process, and that's what he needs to work on. I would love it if the Orioles invited. Uh, Buer to come down to camp for a week or ten days and work with him a little bit
0: on that. oh I'm I'm sure knowing how hard Cedric works and how seriously he takes a game I would not be surprised at all to see him have a better throwing arm next year because I'm sure because yeah. we're aware of it he knows about his own throwing arm
4: yeah it's it's not like he's gonna I'm telling you it's not that he can improve the arm mm-hmm. but he has to he has to improve the mechanics of getting the ball quicker and releasing the ball quicker yeah you know
0: yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Now, Stan, before yeah. we let you go, you yeah. have some great guests coming up this week. On Monday, you're going to have, with um, Ross Grimsley, you're going to have Orioles' uh, former manager, Dave Trembley, And then on Wednesday, you're going to have Bill Ordine from Gambling.com and Patrick Evans of LegalSportsReport.com. Um, apparently, it came out this Wednesday that they are going to pass sports betting at the three big casinos, uh, Hollywood Casino and Ocean Downs, as well as... Um, uh, well, it's
4: five, it's five total licensees that are existing already. It's Ocean Downs, Hollywood Downs, and the big three of MGM down by uh, the the Harbor in Washington. Um, the Horseshoe, downtown Baltimore, and, of course, uh, Maryland Live, a live casino hotel. Uh, the word is that the Swark meeting has been rescheduled. It was canceled about 10 days ago, uh, and at that meeting it was suppo- supposed to be that the uh, big three were going to be approved. Uh, And the sport committee has their own agenda, but they've gotten a lot of heat over these past 10 days, including from the governor and a lot of businesses and people, uh, fans, sports fans who want to bet. Remember that the legislation that paved the way for this passed by 70%. And the 70%, you know, 70% of the people that voted for this didn't really, care that it was attached, that the ownership would be attached to female-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses. They want to be able to go out and bet, okay, where everybody else around the country is doing it. Um, And uh, apparently, the meeting is scheduled for this Wednesday, and uh, supposedly these five licensees will get to go ahead and again. I don't know what that means timing-wise, but I would think that we may be able to bet at the big three at least by uh, playoff football time, I'm thinking. you know.
0: Yeah, that would certainly be nice. I think they're missing a huge opportunity with not having it already in place. But it certainly yep. seems like this is getting, gaining steam and like it's going to happen. So that's great news. Yep. Stan, great talking with you this week, man. Enjoy the rest Always of your a pleasure. weekend.
4: Always a pleasure. We'll talk next week and have a good one. Okay, bye-bye.
0: And that was Stan, the fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chatted with with BaltimoreBaseball.com writer Rich Dubrow, fan, friend of the show. While Stan also previewed the season with Towson Women's Basketball Coach Diane Richardson. Find these shows under the Videos tab at Facebook.com slash pressbox Sports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Coming up this Monday, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross chat with former Orioles manager Dave Tremblay. The show is live at 6 p.m. And on Wednesday, again, live at 7 p.m., Stan and Gary will talk with Bill Ordean of Gambling.com and Patrick Evans of com. Seems like we are going to get sports betting here in Maryland, hopefully, like Stan said, eventually by, <laughs> by playoff football. Missing a huge boat here. Uh, by not having it ready for college and, and NFL football, but we'll see how that goes. As we always say on this show, remains to be seen. That's we're gonna the theme. Yep, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna catch a break when we come back. We are going to talk about. Um, First, we're going to sound off with Zach Goodman, which is brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, and that's headed your way this season. You can join the Baltimore linebacker and the special guest teammates at various locations around town with your chance to get pictures and autographs and hear everything that needs to be said before and after games. Um, so that we're going to be doing that with the Tyus Bowser sh- uh, I'm sorry. Sounding off with Zach Goodman, brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, when we come out of the break, and also Orioles banter. That first sip...
3: <laughs>
6: every Thursday, 1130
3: a.m. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit
2: mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized trading, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443- 840 4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory
3: Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is
2: back and it features
3: their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, handbreaded in herb panko and pan fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites like the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, brewer's sausage sandwich, Prussian pretzel rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. Hey, guys, it's Paul Valley,
0: and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio, as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the Absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports.
3: New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for- having me i had a great time the great ray lewis always good to be home coach mark turgeon appreciate it guys thank you he is mr Cal ripkin jr good chatting with
0: you you can watch us live at facebook.com slash sports or listen at Pressboxonline.com slash radio and podcasts are available on apple podcasts or spotify coming up in just a matter of moments, we're going to have sounding off with Zach Goodman again. brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show. Just remember, if you can't make it out, you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash sports or listen to them the next day. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Great H Memorabilia and PressBox. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser or at memorabilia.com The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 16th at Mothers in Timonium. We had a big back and forth about whether Timonium was Cockeysville, Lutherville, or... Um, Timonium. I I go
1: Lutherville for it's, that it's area. It's
0: Timonium. Their, their address says Timonium. Well, yeah, but I
1: Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, m- I,
0: mother's mother's is in Timonium.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I thought you were saying what it, what Timonium is the closest to. Like what city oh, no, no. we, okay. we,
0: we were going back and forth. your scream went out. Okay. Uh, we were going back and forth um whether or not Mothers was in Timonium, or was it Lutherville, or was oh, it? Oh no, 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 it's, it's, t- it's Timonium. But, it, but it's Timonium. Uh, but again, the next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 16th, at Mothers in Timonium. And coming November 9th, you can meet Safety Deshaun Elliott, who was the guest oh. on the uh, Tyus Bowser show this past week at the Center Club, just by donating a twenty-dollar gift card at Weiss. Sneeze.
1: I think he's about to say Weiss Markets. I'm just uh, you, yeah. want me, you want me to just finish this live report? No, first?
0: no, dude, I, I literally a sneeze just started <laughs> to come on like right in the middle and there's no way it'll I'm, come back in like five minutes. <laughs> uh but anyway, you can meet safety to Sean Elliott just by donating a twenty dollar gift card at Weiss Markets. Uh nine nine six thirteen Harford Road. Those gift cards will be used to benefit Harvest of the Hope to help those who need it this holiday season. Find out more at great eights, That is an extraordinarily long live read. That is a really that is, a really that is a really one that's extraordinarily long. That's
1: a very long one. Sounding off. Sounding. Um, something that interested me this week. I usually do it on kind of negative things. I, I yell at people for, you know things I, I don't exactly appreciate them saying, but this one is something I'm actually pretty excited about. Robert Murray, who's a MLB insider for fansided. Um, he is verified on Twitter. This is a real legitimate source. He wrote an article this week. Uh, that the Orioles could be a team that go after Kyle Schwarber in free agency. He basically wrote it as, where could Kyle Schwarber go if he doesn't re-sign with the Red Sox? Now, there is a pretty good chance Kyle Schwarber re-signs with the Red Sox. He's already come out and said, I would be very open to coming back to the Red Sox. So there's a good chance. But he mentioned three teams as possibilities. Now, whether this is Robert Murray saying, I'm hearing this through the grapevine, or I'm speculating about this, that this could happen, I'm not sure he didn't say. But he said the Brewers the Blue Jays, and the Orioles could be the three teams that would be interested in Kyle Schwarber. And for me, Kyle Schwarber is probably, if the Orioles bring him in on a one-year deal, anywhere from a $12 to $15 you know, million-a-year guy. That's where you're going to get him at. Um, and if you bring him in on a three-year deal, it's going to be probably you know, $60 million. I don't know, somewhere around that. But point is with this is that if the Orioles were looking to get a guy like Kyle Schwarber, if they were in this race, it would signify to me that the Orioles are, number one, in it for a lot bigger free agents than we thought. They are really serious about bringing in actual free agents instead of a you know, uh, I'm not sure who to use as a good example because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, but we know who they've gotten in previous years. They're not going for the one or two million dollar guys. Instead of bringing
0: in a Michael Fran- Franco. That's a good example,
1: Mike, Michael Franco. I, like I said, I don't want to throw anyone too under the bus here, but they're not.
0: He was terrible. He, he, he was he's, bad. He's not listening right now. He was terrible. He was the worst Oriole all year.
1: But they're not. You know, if they if they sign a guy, or at least they're looking to sign a guy like Kyle Schwarber, it signifies that they're trying to go out and actually add to this team. And Kyle Schwarber not going to be cheap. Kyle Schwarber, though. The biggest issue with him is that I'm not really sure he's a fit. You've got a guy like Trey Mancini who, you know, he could be traded. Sure, we just talked about that. There's always a possibility that he gets moved in some capacity. But I'm not sure these two can coexist on the same team. They basically are the same player. They play a pretty bad left field and right field, and they can also play a a fine first base. Um, Schwarber's not
0: a fine first baseman. He just started playing. He he
1: did make a pretty big mistake in the playoffs early on as well. But uh, with a little more practice, he might be able to be okay there. But the Orioles have Ryan Malkassel at first base. They have a wealth of outfield talent coming up and through. You have guys like Robert Newstrom. You have guys like Kyle Stowers who are right on that brink. Um, and if you're still looking for playing time for Ryan McKenna, I'm just not really sure where Kyle Schwarber would fit in on this team. It's just more exciting for me to see that the Orioles could potentially be looking at a guy who could cost 12 or $15 million.
0: Yeah, he- here's the thing. If Schwarber comes to the Orioles... Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 don't hold your breath, first off. No, 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 but, but, no. But if Schwarber comes to the Orioles, he's not coming to play the outfield or to play first base. He's going to be DH. He's coming to be the DH. Yeah. And get a few, a few games at first base. And sure. Maybe in a pinch, play some left or right field for you. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's not coming here. L- l- like, I would l- agree. Like, l- let's squash that right now because the only way he comes here is right. if with this new CBA um, yet to be put on the table at at any point, there's going to be a work stoppage. It's all but guaranteed. We talked about this this past week. It's all but guaranteed that December 2nd there's going to be a work stoppage. And you don't know how long that's going to last. And that could freeze everything. Mm -hmm. We do believe at some point they'll get a deal done, right? Yeah. And we do believe that in getting a deal done, it may push the season back. But they will play a season. The only way that Kyle Swarber comes here is if that happens... Mm -hmm. And he's just—we get to spring training. He hasn't signed with a team, and he needs a deal. And the Orioles offer him one year, eight to ten million. He's like, you know what? I just want to get in, right? And I want to play, and maybe get and, traded. And and, and and he and he takes that deal. But the thing is, I don't think that if he's if that deal's there with, from the Orioles, that he's not getting something a better offer from the Red Sox.
1: Sure, and, and, like I said, it's not so much about Kyle Schwarber. As it is about the idea that they might go out and sign a free agent that could cost something like Kyle Schober. Yeah,
0: But the other thing is that people have been speculating that the Orioles are going to go out and Car- get Carlos Correa, and they're no, not. No, right? No, and people no. have been speculating about that since late spring, early summer. Fair. So that's fair. Uh, again, I I'm one to think. What's what's the article? What's the writer's name? Robert Murray. Robert Murray. I'm I'm inclined to believe that Robert Murray is speculating. I agree. Because if he had heard that from the grapevine he would have mentioned that he heard it from the grapevine. Mm-hmm. They, they do that. They, they mention, I, I've heard he, he, from anonymous he, sources that this could sure. be a thing.
1: He did mention that the Brewers are legitimately interested in him. Um, yeah. He did not mention that with the Blue Jays or the Orioles, but he said the Brewers have had interest in Kyle Schwarber in the past. We don't know that about the Orioles. We, But we think because of the ties with Brandon Hyde, that there's a possibility that that could and, be true. And,
0: and it's a fit. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it is a fit. It's, it, it makes sense.
1: For Camden Yards, especially, it's a fit.
0: It's just not going to happen. I agree. You
1: know, um... But what if they instead of instead of getting Kyle Schwarber, what if they say, okay, we're gonna go out and spend that eight to ten million on pitching? Well, that, yeah, that's, that could, what, that's what we're all hoping. For. That's what I'm excited about. This is why I'm talking about this is because I think they could use this money elsewhere if they don't get a guy like Kyle Schwarber
0: again. But this is all speculation. Sure. On, yeah, on it's part. It, now, it now is, if they said is. the Orioles are legitimately interested in Kyle Schwarber mm-hmm. and they're willing to spend ten million dollars on Kyle Schwarber, ten to mm-hmm. fifteen million, yeah, get it, get super excited. Yeah, yeah. okay. If they don't get Schwarber, maybe they'll go out and get some legitimate starting pitching. Exactly. That's when you can yeah. get excited. But until it's anything more than speculation, I can't get excited about it. Because that's what these guys do. It's the offseason. Sure, There's not much going yeah. on because it's just the World Series right now. Free agency doesn't even start till six days after the World Series. This is what they have to talk about. And I'm not trying to squash what you're saying. If the Orioles ended up with Kyle Schwarber, I, I, I'd i be happy as a, as a pig in crap. Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. But... Yeah. It, the, the fact of the matter is, until it's something more than speculation, I'm inclined to sit here and say, you know what? It would go against everything Mike Elias has said to this point. I don't disagree with that. So, But it, it's, it's a good idea. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I also think that the Orioles are going to have to get in bidding wars for, for guys like Kyle Schwarber. Yes. Bidding wars that they'll end up losing unless they're willing to pay astronomically more.
1: They would never win a bidding war against the Red Sox. Never, ever. Never. And honestly, the Blue Jays—they'd probably lose even more too. Um, I think the Blue Jays, if they were going to get in a bidding war with the Red Sox, I think they might win that. Um, the Blue Jays have, have been very aggressive in free agents and trades in the past few years. I, you know, they signed George Springer last year. They went out and got Jose Barrios. They are a serious team about upgrading, and I, I could see Kyle Schwarber as a fit for them for sure.
0: Oh, for, for sure. And the the thing, of, and the thing about the Blue Jays, it's more enticing than the Red Sox, is that the Blue Jays yeah. are on the come-up, right? Right. Whereas you look at the Red Sox, and they were very good this year. A little bit old, though. But they're kind of—you have Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, but Xander mm-hmm. Bogarts is about 30, 31, mm-hmm. right? Um, J.D. Martinez ain't getting any younger. And other than that, you don't have Mookie Betts anymore. Alex Verdugo is a nice player. I don't think right. he's a game-changer, right? Um and they don't have great pitching. The right. Blue Jays are the more attractive team right now, and they're the more fun team right now. Where I, the Red Sox are kind of just hanging around, and and I think the Red Sox have kind of made it clear over the last couple of years that they're not trying to be one of those two hundred million dollar payroll teams anymore.
1: No, they're not. I, I think the Red Sox are definitely looking more for value. You, you, you look at Akike Hernandez, what they got him for? Um, it was, I, I believe, it was four years, fifty million, somewhere in that area. And when you look at that deal, you go. You just signed Kike Hernandez for $50 million, but then you look at the value they got out of him this year, and he was a very, very good player. He was a five-war player this year. So the Red Sox have definitely tried to um, you know, prioritize value over spending the most money on payroll, which is what I, I've been saying the Yankees need to do for like two years now, and they just haven't done that. But the Red Sox maybe are starting to be a model of that in the AL East for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly going to be interesting to see how things play out to see if the rich get richer and if any other teams start to kind of come up and and. Take the path of the Rays or maybe the Orioles. And I'm very interested to see if there is going to be a uh, salary floor. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I I, I want to uh, amend my comment here on Kike Hernandez. Two years, fourteen million. I thought it was way more no. money than that. Well, yeah,
0: when you said that, I was like, there's no way. I, I thought Th- I'm
1: there's... mixing up with someone else they signed this this past offseason. But even that, that's a really good value for Kike Hernandez. Oh, it's a great value. That's a really good it's value. A, it's a
0: great value. When you said four four years, yeah, money, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing like, you, no I'm way mixing way up with someone else. That much.
1: But uh, about the salary floor, though, I would definitely be in support of that. I think it makes the Orioles and it forces them to be to, better. to be better, right? And and get back into the free agent market a little bit earlier. And I I think that's a, I think that would well, be a really it, good thing for baseball.
0: It forces every team sure. that's not good to be better. Uh, you look at the NFL, mm-hmm. and there's so much parity in the NFL. Yeah. The, the New York Giants are not so much significantly worse than the Arizona Cardinals. Or the Green Bay Packers. It, I mean, you you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, who won what four games last year?
1: Yeah, it was like six or something. It no, a lot. I, I, I don't even think it was six. Okay. I,
0: I think they won like four games last year. Maybe it was six. I don't know. But they Somewhere were around they there. were a very bad team mm-hmm. last year, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, two guys, are the reason that. I mean, and they went out and made some free agent signings. The, the defense, defense is ju- the, very the defense much is better, imp- very much better. But that offense, the Bengals are one of the better teams in the AFC this year. Mm-hmm. In in the span of one year, you're not. The, the difference between the worst team in the league in the NFL and the best team in the NFL is not that great. Right. That's not the case in Major League Baseball. No. The difference between the Baltimore Orioles and the Los Angeles Dodgers is so vast. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it would be like you standing on one side of the Grand Canyon and me standing on the other side of the Grand Canyon and us trying to play catch. Mm-hmm. there's It's just not going to happen. This is... A, a salary floor would be huge mm-hmm. in... And you get more fans because you know, yeah. Orioles fans will come out to watch their team if they had if they were forced to spend $100 million or even $80 million considering the prospects that they have. A, a salary floor is huge, and I think it makes it more likely to go out and get a guy like right. a Kyle Schwarber.
1: I think it's much more effective than a salary cap. Everyone keeps calling for a salary cap, but I talked about it last year in a Sounding Off segment that I think a— a bigger and harder luxury tax would make a lot more sense than a salary cap. Just keep you know keep increasing the luxury tax, keep you know making these teams lose things for signing players instead of just saying you can't sign them. That makes more sense to me. If you if they want to sign a guy, if the Dodgers want to sign a guy for 40 million, that puts them 20 million over the uh, the, the you know the the luxury tax limit. Make them lose their third-round draft pick. Make them lose their second-round draft pick. You, you, you make trade-offs. That makes sense to me. Um, and y- if you look at a salary floor, it just really, really helps with the competitiveness of all of these other teams like the Orioles and the Tigers and the Marlins, these teams that are generally bottom dwellers in the past five, you know, six years.
0: Can, can you imagine the Orioles having Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Adley Rutschman, and Ryan Mountcastle in the top four in their lineup, And then they're still forced to go out and spend another $80 million to make this team. Sounds great to me. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. That would be absolutely phenomenal. And I I thought that there was no way that a salary floor would happen.
1: Yeah, but I think it very well could. It could, and look, you know, the, the Rays payroll is around what seventy-two million this year, I think it was, which is so ridiculously low when you look at that. And look how much value they got out of that. And of course, like, we, when you look at the Rays, you know about that their prospect pipeline is the reason for that. They have incredible prospects like Shane McClanahan, we talked about earlier, who can come up and take a spotlight of Blake Snell's and immediately become one of the best pitchers in that rotation. Maybe the Orioles don't have that yet because their guys haven't matured like the Rays guys have, but. That, to me, $72 million payroll, if the Orioles were to have that and the farm system they have, they could be incredibly successful with that. Yeah. Incredibly successful.
0: I want them to spend more than that. Uh, for sure. Yeah. But but if, if in twenty twenty two you told me that the Orioles would have a seventy two million dollar payroll and have the players oh, I, love I just it. mentioned on their roster, I'd be I'd be doing, you know, flips. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> you, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't you'll see me break my neck. Okay. But but yeah, no, I, 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 I totally am in, in agreement with you there. Let's do this. Let's um let's get our second break okay. and then we'll come back and we'll get into some Orioles banter here.
1: All right. Sounds good. Let me just get this break up here, Paul. Sorry, I kind of kind of threw that one on. A little you. bit, a little bit. All right, we're good. Uh, we'll be back in about 5.
7: What's up, everybody? This is Ties Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Ties Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on PressBox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Ty's Bowser show. The
0: next Ties Bowser show is Tuesday, November 16th at Mother's in Timonium. It's brought to you by PressBox and Great 8's memorable
3: Beelia. <laughs> Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on drag. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Day's Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. That first
6: sip, that first bite.
3: is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area and the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Press box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: All right. Welcome back to the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. That's Zach Goodman. Zach has something he wants to say, real quick.
1: There is a new era of Glenn Clark Radio. As the bat around zone, Paul Valley took over as the show's co-captain. The show remains the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show at facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at pressboxonline.com radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Maryland legends Ralph Frieden, E.J. Henderson, and Sean Hill, as well as potential Oriole number 1 pick Brooks Lee. Find those interviews and more today in the Glenn Clark Radio Weekend Review feature at pressboxonline.com. Dot com.
0: And speaking of Glenn Clark, just want to remind you once again in the season prize boxes, Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune in to Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and once again, he's joined by, post game by your favorite analysts like the NFL Chicks of Rita Hubbard, Alice, and more. With Baltimore on the bye, there's no show this week, but Rita is back with Glenn next Sunday for the Minnesota game that I'll be at. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. PressBox is Project Game Day. Every game day presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. You, Young Buck.
1: Uh Uh-oh. I don't like what's about to happen here. Did I say someone's name wrong? Who did I pronounce? Who's, whose name did I pronounce Ralph wrong?
0: Ralph Friedgen is I have arguably tre- the greatest Listen. coach in the history of Maryland football, and you called him, call him Ralph Frigden.
1: Listen, I don't I don't pronounce names do right. You know, we, do you know who wh- Ralph Friedgen is? I mean, not really, because I don't really pay attention to college football. I, I do not. I, I'm sorry to everyone. I don't really pay attention to Today college football.
0: Today at Bird Stadium is mm-hmm. the 20-year 20, 20 anniversary of Maryland's 2001 ACC Championship. Okay. It was Ralph <laughs> I just first uh, year... Uh, uh, coaching the team, they went eleven and two. Nice. Uh, they lost the Orange Bowl, but he Frieden. got yes, Frieden. They I'll were get that ranked, for next week. They were ranked number six in the country at mm-hmm. the end of that season.
1: See, the problem is, even if I knew who he was, I'd still probably would have pronounced it wrong. That's hey, there's no, a, there's you, a good no, chance. if you knew how <laughs> a good Ralph
0: Friedgen was you would have pronounced it, right? I'm just i am just giving you a little bit of a hard time. You're only 19, 20, co- 20 years old.
1: No, not 19 anymore, but college co- I'm 20, yeah. But college football is is just not something I ever really got into. So, I mean, I know my, Mike Loxley now. I can say that name. Yeah. So we sh- we should have that in the library instead. Make it a little easier on me here. Well,
0: we didn't talk to Mike Loxley.
1: Well, you're going to probably you'll probably do it at some point, I'm sure. I'm sure.
0: I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But Ralph Fregion and, yeah, the Maryland Terrapins are going to be at Bird Stadium today celebrating – it's their homecoming. They're celebrating the okay. 20-year anniversary of the ACC championship. Uh, guys like Sean Hill, was the quarterback of the team, former All-Pro linebacker for the Minnesota or – I'm sorry, Pro Bowl linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, and Terp Santa, who just got inducted into the College Hall mm-hmm. of Fame, E.J. Henderson. He's going to be there, along with former head coach nice. who amassed 75 wins in his 10 years at the helm of the Maryland Terrapins football program, Ralph Friedgen. Um, If you get an opportunity to get out to Bird Stadium tonight, by, by all means, get
1: there. Real quick, side. Side note, real quick side note. Um, why did your costume yesterday look so much like Baker Mayfield from the At Home with uh, Baker I, commercials? You were definitely Baker Mayfield.
0: I I, I think you're trying to stick <laughs> it to me because I just called you no, out no, 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 no. His name wrong. No, I'm, um, I'm,
1: I was actually going to mention this at the beginning of the show because your costume really looked like Baker. I, that's, well, it's, that's actually a great idea.
0: Well, it was because I have a beard and dark hair. And apparently, if, <laughs> if you're a white guy yeah. with a beard and dark hair, you all look the same. Literally, there's a guy who I work with, an Italian guy. Mm -hmm. His name is Alex. He's six foot one. Mm -hmm. He has dark hair and a beard. I am five foot seven. Mm -hmm. People mistake us all the time. Really? Because he is six inches taller than me, and people mistake us all the time because we have dark hair and a beard. Mm -hmm. It, It it it's just how it goes. I can't tell you how many times I got called Adam Sandler at growing really? up because I had dark, curly hair.
1: No, like you, that was you, literally you, you, look, you look nothing like nothing Adam Sandler. like Adam Sandler. <laughs> no. But do
0: you know how many times I got called Adam Sandler growing up because of my dark hair? That's weird. It, it's That's, weird. That is really but weird. But people make that... Comparison. No, but see,
1: see the football helmet, the robe, and the pajamas. That's literally what Baker Mayfield wears in those commercials. He I was he positive he does not wear that. a football helmet in the commercials. Well, yeah, but he, okay. So, but, he, but he's a football player. So, so I thought so, that's what the context for those you were going of you for. not
0: in the know. I went. I, I work in a restaurant. Should I show a picture, and, and it's now. Okay, uh, it's um. I wear. I work in a restaurant, and our our general manager is a bit of a cinephile. He worked at um, Regal for a really long time, like okay. 20, like twenty five years. Loves. Halloween he always puts on a um, like a haunted house in his garage, even though his oh, kids nice. are, are older now um, still puts on a a, a a haunted house in his garage every year for Halloween. so he encourages us to dress up at work. Mm-hmm. I look at it as an opportunity to not have to wear the monkey suit into <laughs> <laughs> work every day um, so last night, literally when we talked about last weekend I thought to myself, how do I wear pajamas to work?" and get away with it. Mm -hmm. And I said, ooh, Monday morning quarterback.
1: It was a good costume. I'm not going to lie. So
0: I I bought a plastic helmet for five bucks at a Halloween (laughs) store.
1: There you go. Put on some
0: pajama pants, a white t-shirt, and a robe. Mm -hmm. And slippers. So at work, waiting tables, I was waiting tables in pajama pants, a robe, and slippers last night. And a football helmet. And two people. Guess correctly that I was a Monday morning quarterback nice. without any kind of hints. Two people got that I was a Monday morning quarterback, which was I expected more. Now but,
1: that now that I think of it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I just when I saw that I was like, oh, he's Baker Mayfield. I got
0: called <laughs> Baker Mayfield probably four or five times. <laughs> well, last Wow, all right, uh, it was disheartening because I'm not a big <laughs> Baker Mayfield guy.
1: I really the I, commercials I, are delightful. I like Baker Mayfield. The, I actually do. I, I he's he's a he's a fun, Next he's a week, fun guy. Next week on the Bat
0: Around, we are accepting applications for new co hosts. <laughs> wow. Okay. And producers. I see how it is. Look,
1: he, he's he's a fun guy. Like the commercials are funny. Yeah, they're he, actually he, he's
0: he's a fungus. That's they're, correct.
1: They're legitimate. They're legitimately funny commercials. The
0: commercials are funny. I'm not a big Baker Mayfield guy. Um, you know, kudos, to him, He's tough as nails.
1: Yeah. When when he did that, I I'm, I woke up feeling dangerous today. Bit. Yeah. That was stupid. that was funny. And then <laughs> that and was then, funny. Th-
0: yeah, but th- th- he didn't intend it to be funny. He intended to make it hard. You're probably right. I'm I'm 100% right. And then wearing the trench coat with the mustache, looking like a
1: creep. (laughs) That was amazing.
0: And and, and just some of the stuff that he did in college. I've never been... And and I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's terrible. He's he's not that good. I don't think he's terrible. But I don't think he's the answer for the Browns as their franchise quarterback. Kudos to him. Tough as nails. He has a torn labrum. He has a fractured shoulder. And he's going to go out there and he's going to play on Sunday. He's he's going to give it a shot. Most guys would get season-ending surgery. What? I don't know how, with that kind of a shoulder injury, those kinds of shoulder injuries, how you're going to go out there and take NFL hits in a game. I don't know. But but more credit to him. Long, drawn-out uh, <laughs> way for me to say that I got called Baker Mayfield. I was not a fan of it. But I was a Monday morning quarterback yet, yesterday. It's a good costume. T- today, much more noticeable, much more recognizable. I'm going to be a lumberjack.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, you have to send a picture on Twitter, at least. I need to uh, see. Uh, I'll put a picture on t- I guess I'll put I'm Mike Elias today. today so uh, Anyway. Oh, are you? No. I just have the Orioles. I have the Orioles like polo uh, jacket on, so you know, yeah, I'm, I can call myself Michael. You don't Elias. strike
0: me as a Halloween
1: I, guy. I'm not really a Halloween guy. I'm not really. A, I'm not really a dress up guy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just not really like my my thing. But anyway, uh, we I think we got to get the Orioles banter. But yeah, yeah, no, we're uh, a little uh, bit a little bit behind. My yeah. bad, my bad.
0: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not a dress up guy either. I literally do it because work allows me to, and it's a good chance to not have to wear my work clothes to
1: work. Very it's, good point. You know.
0: Anyway, uh, Orioles banter again. We mentioned the awards or- earlier. Mountcastle, Ryan Mountcastle, he was selected by the Players Association as their outstanding rookie of the year uh, for the American League. Trey Mancini, the Sporting News, and the MLBPA AL Comeback Player of the Year kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a snub and we talked about it a little bit with stan cedric mullins he's a finalist for the silver slugger not a finalist for the gold glove now the guys that are um kevin kiermeyer uh what's the guy's name Miles shaw miles straw miles miles straw excuse me and uh michael a taylor yeah great defenders sure great defenders was cedric a snub and is, is it because of his arm
1: yeah i think it is because of his arm and I, I know I don't think it's a snub. I think his arm is legitimately really, really bad. I think his arm is the worst. I mean, it's by far the worst part of his game, and it's something he definitely needs to work on and get better at in the offseason. Um, even like Stan said, it's not so much about... You're, you're not going to gain that much strength in your arm. That's just not really possible. You're kind of... You just have it. It's not something you can really go... You can't just go lift and automatically one day your arm is better. That's just not really how it works it's the mechanics that he can get better at. and it's you know the transfer from glove to hand and getting that ball out as quickly as possible. That's what Cedric can get better at. And you know he's a great defender, but a guy like you know, all, all three of them you really mentioned, Miles Straw, fantastic at everything. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer maybe one of the best defensive outfielders in the history of the game. Yeah, he's, he's very, he's so very good. good. So, no, I, I don't really think Cedric was a snub. And even if he was a finalist, I think Kevin Kiermaier would win all day.
0: Yeah, Kevin is Kevin the guy. Yeah. I, I mean, he's already won four of them. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I just think that the way Cedric played, people expected him to win a gold glove. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you look at the arm... Like, look, if, if it's hit in the air, he's getting to it. If right. it's in the park... And it's hit in the air, Un- center to right center. He's getting to it.
1: Unbelievable range. Yeah, unbelievable range. But
0: but, but the arm and, and 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 you know guys like Brett Gardner and um and Johnny Damon they got a pass because of horrible who they arms, are. yeah, horrible arms. And, and but you didn't really notice it because you don't root for that team. Mm-hmm. When you're watching the Orioles 162 games and you see a base hit to center field with a guy on second base and he right. scores every time. It's maddening. It's maddening.
1: Right. We even have you know, if, if it's one out, a shallow fly ball to center field, you got a guy tagging up from third. Cedric catches it, and it's you know, it's it's mid range to to short center field. You know he's not going to get the ball there in time. That's just and that and every team knows to run on him, and that's kind of a problem. And I don't so I don't think he should have been a Gold Glove finalist. Although incredible range, incredible uh, d- defensive glove. It's just the arm that hurts him.
0: Yeah, it's 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 definitely frustrating to watch, but everything he did offensively kind of makes up for it, you know?
1: Oh, 100%, yes.
0: Now, we talked a little bit about Trey. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know what? We're going to talk about Trey in this next part, so we're just going to get to it. Baseball America roster predictions and projections. This is their 2025 lineup for the Baltimore Orioles. At catcher, obviously, Adley Rutschman. First base, Ryan Mountcastle. Second base, Jordan Westberg. Third base, Kobe Mayo. hmm Shortstop Gunnar Henderson, left field Colton Cowser, center field Cedric Mullins, right field Kyle Stowers, designated hitter Trey Mancini. Let's talk about the lineup first because one, um, no Austin Hayes,
1: no Austin Hayes. Yeah, I look. I, I I think Kyle Stowers is inevitably going to be a better player in in maybe. You know, every facet of hitting. I think he's going to be... You know, as great as Hayes was this year, his OBP was like 308. That's yeah. just not that good. Yeah. Um, and I think the OBP will be the death of of Austin Hayes' career in Baltimore eventually. Unfortunately, I love Austin Hayes. Yeah. But I think the on-base percentage, if it doesn't improve, if he can't get that up to at least like 340, I think Austin Hayes' time will be limited in Baltimore when you have guys like Kyle Stowers coming around.
0: Another guy, not mentioned on here, number two overall pick in 2020, Heston Kerstad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they didn't really give you a they didn't really give you a bench. So Heston Kurstad could be the guy who's on the bench, but uh, you know, I I don't know what we expect from Heston Kurstad at this point. I don't know. We have to see him come out in 2022, and we have to see what he looks like at the minor league level. It's just it, it's really it's almost like a lottery ticket. At this he's point. got he's got
0: to hit the ground running.
1: He's got to hit the ground running. There's there's if he has a bad year and his confidence gets low. And it's just gonna be a mess. It's not. It, he has to come out and play well. It's it's as simple as that. Next year, and he might start at Aberdeen. I'm not sure where really where he'll be. I imagine he'd
0: start at Aberdeen, get his mm-hmm. feet wet, get called up to Bowie pretty quickly, kind of like how quickly Grace Rodriguez got called yeah. up to Bowie. Yeah. Um, and 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 hopefully perform really well there. Maybe get a late season call up to Norfolk. But this is a guy that. A you've got to get on the field.
1: Yeah, and B if you're number two overall pick, you got to perform, and he's got to perform. Yeah. Uh, as simple as that. But there, are you know, I, I know we're limited on the time here, so there are a few other issues I have with this lineup. Um, you look at center field. I'm not so sure Cedric Mullins is going to be there. I just don't know. That's 2025 is a long way off. That's something else we have to kind of consider here. 2025 is there's so many variables between now and then that you know Cedric Mullins will probably. I'm, Look, I mean, there's just so much time. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he'll ever replicate a 30-30 season again. I, I don't know. That's a little bit questionable to me. And then Trey Mancini, I would put money on it that he's not here by 2025.
0: There's no way.
1: There's no way. There's
0: no way Trey Mancini's right. going to be here. I mean, he'll only be 33. He'll only be 33. So there's, there's that. Right. And if he comes out next year and does what he did in 2017 and in 2019... Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, okay. Then, then maybe he'll be here. There might be a chance, but still, twenty twenty five. That's that's three more seasons. But but,
0: but when you're gonna have hopefully Heston mm-hmm. um I agree with you. Maybe Cedric isn't even here. Yeah, in I, 2025. Don't I don't know. Twenty twenty five. It really depends on what the Orioles do in this draft. And and right now you're looking at, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But Trey, let's get through Trey with the Orioles in twenty twenty two. Let's see how he does. But if he has, if he. Continues on the downturn like he had this year, and we know why he had the downturn this year. Mm-hmm. If he continues on that path, though, say that he doesn't get back to to his form. Say that he's the player in twenty twenty two that he was in twenty twenty one. That's not a guy that's here in twenty twenty five.
1: No, that's not even a guy who's here in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um. I. I don't. As much as I love Trey and as mu- everything Trey is great for and does. I just don't see a long term future for him here and 2025 is a long way off at this point. that's that's still four more seasons that we're looking at. Um, so especially when you have guys who are gonna be younger, right have more
0: versatility, And maybe equal or better hitters than trade. Right.
1: Their normal season might be better than trade is best. And the 2022 and 2023 drafts will also have a massive impact on who's there in 2025. Yeah, exactly. Massive impact.
0: If the Orioles go out and draft Brooks Lee, Mm -hmm. number one overall. (laughs) Right, that changes everything. Then Gunnar Henderson's not playing shortstop for you. No, uh, no. And the other thing is it's so hard to get attached to some of these players because some of them are going to get traded. Yeah. It's inevitable. Yeah. Some of them are going to get traded. That's how you run a, an organization. That's how you stay good. That's how you get over the hump and get to a World Series. Right? right? You you have these big time draft picks. They're phenomenal and you trade them for starting pitching. That's that's how you that's how yeah. you get over the hump. Now speaking of starting pitching the Orioles 1 through 5 starters number 1 Grayson Rodriguez number 2 DL Hall number 3 John Means number 4 Kyle Bradish number 5 Bruce Zimmerman and the closer Tyler Wells. The, now look, this is all based on guys who are currently in the system. Right. Right, by 2025 I think the Orioles will probably trade for a legitimate starting pitcher or sign one.
1: I'll be honest with you, I think Grayson Rodriguez is the only real lock. Only, yeah. only real lock out of these five. I, I agree with you. I think he really is. Tyler Wells, your closer. There's no guarantee that he won't become a starter for you. Uh, not only that, again, 2025 is such a long way off. I just have no way and to guarantee. I think he's already 28 years old. Right. I have no way to guarantee Tyler Wells is going to be here by 2025. No way.
0: Tyler Wells strikes me as a guy kind of like a B.J. Ryan, who will have a really sure. good
1: three years. Mm-hmm. And you'll forget about him after that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I and I love Tyler Wells. but Sure. I
0: believe he's already 28 years old. I'm
1: going to look that up right now, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's already 28 years old. He just had his first big league season. He pitched really well. I uh, Spent some time on the IL. Uh, he had the big injury. Had not pitched since 2018, and that was at low A. Uh, let's let us pump the brakes a little bit on Tyler Wells
1: being the Orioles' closure in 2025. Now, again, he, he, he is 27. So, again, yeah, I mean... He'll they, be 28 next year. In, right, the, and, and by 2025, it puts him at, like, 32, which is just... I don't know. I don't see it. I really don't see that.
0: Yeah, it's... Again, 32 years old is not old. No. And and
1: in baseball,
0: when you get to your 30s, it's old, but it's still not old for baseball, especially if you're a one-inning reliever. But you got to get there first. And and again, we have to remember that this is a list of guys who are currently in the organization. Right. Right. Anyway, let's move on. Um, So the best hitter for average, Adley Rutschman. Best power hitter, Adley Rutschman. Best strike zone, Discipline. Adley Rutschman. Fastest base runner, Adam Hall, who I think is a non-tender. Who, he, he, who he's not going to be on this team in 2025. He, I think he's going to be exposed to to the Rule 5 this year. Best athlete, Jordan Westberg. I can't agree to that. Best fastball, D.L. Hall. Best curveball, D.L. Hall. Best slider, Grayson Rodriguez. Best changeup, Grayson Rodriguez. Best control, Grayson Rodriguez. Best defensive catcher, Adley Rutschman. Best defensive infielder, Jordan Westberg. Best infield arm, Kobe Mayo. We kind of knew that. Best defensive out, outfielder, Zach Watson. Best outfield arm, and I think that this kind of puts the writing on the wall for Alston Hayes if he can't stay healthy and improve on that OBP, Kyle Stowers. Mm-hmm. Best best outfield
1: arm. You love Robert Newstrom. I Ky- do. Kyle Stowers is my dude. Oh, yeah. I, I like Stowers better, no doubt. Stowers is a way better player than you Robert You always
0: mention Newstrom first.
1: I do, and that that's because I think he's closer to the majors. That's why. I, I think Newstrom is right on the, uh, on the cusp of being in the major leagues, and I think that Stowers is just, you know, 10 yards behind him. I, I think it, we're right there with Neustrom. I, I think he's a major league player at this point. I don't know if Robert Neustrom will be on this team in 2025. Actually, I would probably say he's probably not going to be on this team in 2025. Zach Watson, Adam Hall, probably not going to be on this team in
0: 2025. Zach Watson I see, see as being a fourth outfielder.
1: Maybe. yeah. Maybe it turns him like a Ryan McKenna type.
0: Yeah, but he needs to be better than Ryan McKenna. Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy how good Ryan McKenna is in the minors and how bad he is at the major league level with
1: the bat. I, you, you know I'm not a Ryan McKenna fan. I, I don't really see too much value overall in, in Ryan McKenna, but I, I see that's what Zach Watson might become. I, I hope Zach Watson's better than that, though.
0: Now, I saw comparisons where, as you look at what Cedric Mullins did his first full year in Baltimore, his first opportunity in Baltimore, uh-huh. and what Ryan McKenna did... That people are saying, uh, uh, that Ryan McKenna could have a bounce back.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, but, but. Uh, I it, don't really see, I don't really see a similarity there. Other than that they're outfielders. And, and can play center field. I don't know. I don't really see too much similarities between. What's a similarity? That's what I just call it A, simi- simi- a similarity. Should, I, should I go similarity? All right.
0: Similarity. There's no you in similarity.
1: Similarity. 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 I, do you I don't say, know.
0: Do you say nuclear too? Mm, yeah. Nuclear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I just say words weird, apparently. Apparently, I, 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 I can't pronounce things correctly. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um. I, I I don't know if I see any kind of, you know, comparison you can make between the two guys. They're just very different players to me.
0: Yeah, no, I, and like I said, I saw the comparison one time during the season where it was like, yeah, Ryan McKenna is having a really bad year, but so does Cedric Mullins, and look what Cedric yeah. is now. And Ryan's put up prolific numbers in the past right. in the minor leagues. Right. But look, he's even, never going to be that at the Major League.
1: Level. Even in 2018 when Cedric Mullins came up, we saw flashes of how good he could be. You know, the, when he debuted he had a three-hit night. I think mm-hmm. he had like a triple and a double in that night. He was he was great. So we saw the flashes of what he could be. He just never became that in 2018-2019. I haven't seen a single flash from Ryan McKenna yet that shows me he's a, a guy that could make a, a have a future on this team.
0: Uh, he had a homer in a dead center. One day. I mean that's uh, that's that, like that. one home run though. Yeah, but I mean it's, it's <laughs> I a home run to dead center that's four hundred and ten feet away, that's a shot. Sure, that's
1: yeah. A shot. He has a bit of raw power. I'm yeah. not denying that. I just don't see him being a complete player.
0: And, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I don't think there's a future for Ryan McKenna. I think the Orioles love him. Yeah. Oh I think yeah. I think he'll yeah. be their fourth outfielder next year. Uh but I don't really see a future for him Agreed. on this roster. Again, I was just playing devil's advocate. I think Zach Watson does have a future
1: as a fourth outfielder. Um, but even so, does he beat out a guy like Hudson Haskin or John Rhodes or Reed Trimble or any of the guys they drafted this year, any of the guys they'll draft next year, or twenty twenty three? There's so many guys.
0: It it remains to be seen, and some of those guys just played their first year of pro ball. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, and Zach Watson, yeah, he was drafted in twenty nineteen, so he hasn't. This was his first full year, but he got a taste Mm -hmm. in twenty nineteen, and he got. I think he was at instructs last year. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I, I think Kyle Stowers for sure is in the Orioles' immediate plans uh, because you don't send that guy to the Arizona Fall League if you're not if he's not in your. Like, because what else does he have to prove? He got over 500 at bats this year. He had a, he had prolific power. Um, it, 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 I got to get you the number. Yes, I know. Um, but yeah. Kyle Stowers, I think, is in their immediate plans. Yes.
1: He'll, he'll start the year at AAA. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if he proves himself, he'll get the chance to move up very quickly. And I, I say that, though, and the Orioles have, are not a team to do that. They're not a team to promote guys too quickly. Um, we saw how slow they took Ryan Mountcastle. We, we, we've seen how slow they've taken basically everyone. But also, if you do consider the opposite side of that, Ryan McKenna was promoted very early last year, I think on April 6th or 5th. Um, so... Look, yeah,
0: when we expected it to be Yosniel Diaz,
1: right? We expected it to be it, Diaz. It was McKenna. It so. was McKenna.
0: Yeah. So it, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how these things play out. I think it's kind of a ridiculous process to try to predict a 2025
1: uh, roster. I I agree that maybe 2023 makes a lot more sense. 2025 is just a long way off.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It, for me, it's like, all right, this is who's in the organization right now that you could see in their lineup now. They ha- they put out the top 10 prospects list, which I didn't get an opportunity to look at. Um, it, it's just so hard to to forecast who's going to be in the lineup when you don't know who is going to have a big year next year in the minors, who's going to get drafted in 2022, who's going to get drafted in 2023, because we expect the Orioles will probably have a top 10 pick again in 2023. Uh, It's it's just so hard to forecast that stuff, but it's it's a fun exercise to look at and go through and try and see who's going to be here. Now, somebody who's already been through this, and they're watching a team that's already been through it, and now they're playing in a World Series for the third time, I believe, in five years, we have Chandler Rome. He's an Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle uh, on the line with us right now. Chandler, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you today?
6: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: We're doing very well. We appreciate you taking a few minutes for us here, especially with the Astros in the World Series. I'm sure you were up late last night. Where this series stands right now, Braves take a no-hitter into the eighth inning. They shut out the Astros in Game Three to take a two-one series lead. Um, how are the Astros feeling right now? How are they looking as a team? And this a—do you see a bounce back coming in Game Four tonight? Uh,
6: I don't know. Um, you could have given me thirty scenarios about how last night would have gone, and I would not have picked what happened. Uh, I was—I was pretty stunned, to be honest. If you just as someone that's watched this lineup. All year, um, the last thing I would have ever expected is them to be no hit into the eighth inning. Right. I mean, the the lineup is like the foundation around which this team is built, and I, I know they're playing in the National League, and, and they didn't have the DH, but I mean, still, uh, they had their best offensive lineup out there, and I mean, it was just there was nothing close to a hit. Um, I mean, Ian Anderson uh, through five innings, they they only put one batted ball in play that had an expected batting average higher than two seventy. Wow. They only hit. Hit three balls all night, 100 mile an hour so extra, or harder. They didn't do anything, and that is that. It's not concerning just because it's baseball and, and things like that can happen. They can bounce, and score ten runs. Um, so the problem is um, now burn their three like legitimate. Starters. You know they're going to go to a game today. Zach Greinke pitched terribly in the second half of the season to the point where he's not even out they'll probably only pitch him for an inning or two and not go to their bullpen in a bullpen game. And The thing I've, I've been thinking about this entire series, postseason really, you know, the bullpen has been phenomenal. Uh, this this whole postseason not the case throughout the rest of the season. So I, I've kind of been waiting for the bullpen to kind of regress back to the mean because they've been really overperforming, I think, in the in the playoffs. I wonder if tonight is the night where they regress because they're going to have to use five relievers to get through this thing. And the Braves have been quiet offensively the last games, and that's tough enough to hold down for long. So, um, I think the Astros' best chance to sneak out probably last night. Paper they had to the match up that they wanted, and it just didn't work out for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, um. Hey, Chandler. If if it's at all possible, your phone is breaking up quite a bit as we're talking. to You is there another spot that you could potentially move to so we can hear you just a little bit more clearly?
6: Um, I mean, I'm in my hotel room. So, oh, okay. Uh, okay,
0: we're, we'll we'll power through. No big deal. No big deal. Um, yeah, you you mentioned that this that this um, this Astros lineup has been kind of the foundation of the team. Seven of the eight victories this postseason have been by five runs or more, uh, which has kind of led to less interesting games. Um, but you said that that you were totally stunned by what happened yesterday. The bounce back tonight. You you. What kind of trouble are they in if they don't bounce back tonight, going down 3-1? Does this, team ha- does this team, in your eyes, have that ability to come back from that deficit if the bats don't get going again tonight?
6: Well, I mean, we saw it last year. They were down 3-0 in the LCS to so the Rays and, and bounced back. And They lost that series in seven games, but they still became the second team ever to force the seventh game after going down 3-0 in the LCS. Mm-hmm. Um, they were down 2-0 to the Nationals in the 2019 World Series force a game seven. Now, again, that one didn't work out for them either. But I mean, the, the point is though, that we've seen this team when they do get down, um, they, they, they don't have a problem coming back. And this is a team that has so much playoff experience that they've sort of seen it all. So I, I don't think going down three, one would phase them much. Right. Um, but you know, they, they do need, I mean, it would be in their best interest to not go down three, one, because I mean, that puts your back firmly against the wall. Um, but you know, uh, we've seen them in much tougher situations than that come back. So um, I I think if they went down 3-1, you know, they they would have a chance, but it it certainly wouldn't be a good one.
0: Oh, certainly. Now, you mentioned Zach Greinke. He's a Game 4 starter tonight. This guy is a potential future Hall of Famer. Clearly not what he once was. He's getting up there. Uh, you said that, that, that they are hoping for one, maybe two innings out of them. Is that the best that we can hope to see out of Greinke tonight, or could he kind of uh, turn back the clock a little bit and give them maybe four, even maybe even five innings tonight if he's good enough?
6: Well, the problem is he's not stretched out. So, like, he, yeah. he had not thrown more than 40 pitches September 29th when wow. he started because he, he got COVID in September, and then he had a little bit of a neck issue September that he had to go on the IL for. So he's not stretched out. Like, he, really, I don't think he's capable throwing more than 40 or 50 pitches. So, I mean, sure, if he's efficient, he can have him 10, 8, or 10 pitch innings. Sure, I think he can get you three or four, but I, the way he's pitched I just don't think that's possible. And and one thing with him that you look at that really stands out to you is he's been off right-handed hitters all year. And right-handed have like an 830 OPS against him this season.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Lefties have like a 520 OPS. So, in theory, you know, the Astros aren't going to do this, but in theory, what they could do is let him face the first three in that Braves lineup, Freeman, Rosario, and the switch hitter Ozzie Albies. You know, it's two left-handers and a switch hitter. Well, if he can get three up, three down in that first inning, then maybe you take him out before the righties come up uh, in the second inning. But I don't know if the Astros have that luxury. I don't know if they want you know, burn that many arms in this game. Um, you know, she, Green. So he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And this is a guy that, you know, he's in big games before. But like you said, this is a different version of Zach Green. This is not a winner. This is not a star. This is, um, this is a diminished version of him. And if they can get, I think if they get three innings out of him tonight, they would be ecstatic. But I would probably plan for a little less.
0: And with that in mind, does it make the Astros run into the World Series that much more impressive when you figure Granky's not what he once was, McCullers has been out for most of the postseason, and they haven't had Justin Verlander, they've had to depend on on rookies in that starting rotation and a lot of bullpen games, is that run now that much more impressive because of the adversity they faced?
6: No, I think so. I mean, McCullers hasn't pitched since the ALDS, you know, you mentioned Verlander, um, Granke has been a non-factor since the beginning of September, um, and they've just had guys step up, like Luis Garcia, who, who pitched last night. I mean, he'll finish third in American League Rookie of the Year voting. Fromber Valdez has had like a career renaissance, you know, found his command a little bit. And Jose Eric just kind of slow and steady and just kind of a steely young guy. But I do think in the in the playoffs, though, you have seen the pitfalls of relying on young, inexperienced starters. You know, you never know which version of Fromber Valdez you're going to get. Are you going to get the game – Five version from the ALCS at Fenway Park where he threw eight innings of one run ball. Are mm-hmm. you going to get the Game One of the World Series version where you can't get out of the third inning? Same thing with Luis Garcia who was brilliant in the game that clinched him the pennant, but then last night was all over the place, spraying the ball over the strikes and only got eleven outs. So they don't have that guy that when you go to the ballpark
7: you know you're going
6: to win or you know that. This guy's going to go seven, only give up two runs, just let our lineup scratch across three and we'll be good. Um, they don't have that Verlander. You know, McCullers was becoming that guy. I don't know if he was that guy yet, but he was becoming close to that guy. Obviously not here for the World Series. You know, Cole's on, Dallas Keuchel's on, um, you know, Zach Greinke, that version of Zach is long gone. So yeah, it is impressive that they've gotten this so far. And, you know, I think, like I said at the beginning, it really goes to the bullpen. Because they have really overperformed any expectation that anyone had for them in the in this postseason certainly, but in the World Series, no doubt, they're going to need that to continue in Game Four uh, to have any.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that Framar Valdez starting Game Five of the ALCS, eight innings, and those types of starts are the outlier. Now you look at it; there, we used to be, we we used to see guys go out there and give you six, seven, eight innings every time out. Now, if you get five innings out of your starter, you look at that as a win, and then you turn to the bullpen and you take your chances. How have we reached that part in the game where your starters are only going five innings? I mean, last night Ian Anderson has five no-hit innings, and he's not out for the sixth inning. How have
6: we gotten here? Well, I think it, it. You know, I don't think we should look at what Snicker did last night and right. that indictment on the whole game. Right. If Justin. If, if he had Justin Verlander last night in that same situation, I guarantee you Justin Verlander would go out for six minutes. Um, Are we connect? Guys like, if, if the Astros had Verlander, if the Astros had Cole, guys like, there would be guys pitching deeper in the games. You're just seeing fewer of Verlander the Coles, and the Groms, and the Scherzers. You know, those guys just, not the way the game is, is going. Um, I thought Brian Snicker last night, you know, win or lose, I thought that was a brilliant decision, and the way he managed that game um, it was decisive, it was aggressive, and you know what? You're in the World Series. Like yeah. I, I the only thing that would have given me pause is that, you know, the Braves without Charlie Morton, they do have two bullpen games coming up and to turn it over to your bullpen to get twelve outs, um, especially when a guy's got a no hitter, that that can be that can be kind of eyebrow raising, but you're playing to win that day, brother. I mean, like yeah. you don't know what could happen today. I mean the the Braves bats could come out today and score twenty runs and then you don't need your bullpen, you're like, Oh, thank goodness we got Uh, game three when we did so um you know look i think we have a lot more knowledge of analytics now i think we have a lot more we can see how um how stuff diminishes a third time through we can see how contact gets better we can see how you know batters do have the upper hand and the third time through the order and i think anyone who watched ian anderson last night um it was probably the most uh Unlikely five no-hit innings you've ever seen. I mean, he was not dominant by any stretch. Oh, absolutely. not. Through 39 strikes, 37 balls, walked four guys. Um, you know, it was not a dominant outing. And I do think if the Braves had scored a few more runs, if let's say that game was four nothing or five nothing, Anderson probably goes back out for the sixth. If Anderson walks one instead of four, he probably goes back out for the sixth. But I mean, the stuff was not great. Um, you know, the Astros just couldn't square it up. He was just so wild around the zone that they were caught in between a lot. They couldn't square any balls up, and that's just what happened. So, um, you know, I think it's on a case-by-case basis. You know, if Snicker had Justin Verlander out there, hell, if Brian Snicker had going back out for the six, but it's different. It's just I, I think instead of making it an indictment on, you know, what the sport is now, I think maybe we just kind of take it in nuance nuanced uh, sort of case, like, some teams don't have pieces. Um, you can do it a lot of different ways in this sport, and I think the more that we kind of get that through our heads, not everything has to be so beautiful. Like, it has to be like it was in the 60s, 70s, and the 80s. Like, I mean, we can progress a little bit, we also that every team is built up.
0: Oh, yeah, and somebody who has progressed and he was a player in the 60s and 70s and now he's been managing, he's managing his fifth team, is Dusty Baker. Managing his fifth team, he's he's uh, managing in his second World Series, one in the AL with um, the Astros now, one in the National League with the Giants back in 2002. How much of a motivator is Dusty Baker getting his first World Series victory for this team?
6: Um, I mean, look, they all win. I mean, I don't think Dusty's presence like makes it more... Motivate, if you will. Um, I'm on the clubhouse, and I can't kind of tell you close up how motivating. But look, I mean, he was he was the perfect guy for this job. Just what they needed at the time that they hired him. Um, just how he can galvanize a place. He can, you know, come that steadying, respectable force for a team that needed both of those. I mean, when he came in, this thing was teetering on chaos because of all the scandal and everything that happened and that revealed. You know, he was the the guy to come in and kind of steady this ship and um you know i think the one thing you hear from guys when they're asked about dusty is you know
7: he lets them
6: play he just lets them be them he doesn't he didn't come in and try to you know revamp the culture or like turn everything upside down you know he knew that he was getting the keys to a ferrari mm-hmm.
4: he just didn't
6: he just shouldn't he, he didn't want to crash it and he hasn't crashed it he kept it he's kept it on the highway and it's uh, and they've been humming right along so um, you know, look, I think in the back of their minds they do understand that this is something that Dusty Baker has, has waited for his entire career, this chance. And, you know, they, they're they behind the eight ball right now. But, you know, look, I think coming into the season, no matter who their manager would be, I think that, you know, these guys are always going to be motivated to win a title. There's, there's very different – there's a lot of different reasons. You know, Carlos Correa is in his last year of uh, team control. You know, Justin Berlander and Zach Greinke have gone after this year. So, like, you're wondering if this is the final chance, you know, if the core is going to kind of be separated a little bit next year. And you wonder if this is their last legitimate chance to make a real run. So there's a lot of factors going into it, and Dusty's certainly one of them.
0: Well, certainly. And and you brought up the scandal. I'm sure that you can't do um, an interview in a market other than Houston where people don't bring up the scandal. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you said that Dusty Baker inherited a Ferrari. I look at that cheating scandal as like putting Nas in that Ferrari. This team was already good enough, and I think that's apparent. Um, Is there a monkey on their back that a victory in the World Series would knock off um, to kind of put the cheating scandal behind them once and for all, put it to bed, or is this something you think is going to be surrounding them the rest of their careers?
6: Yeah, they could win the next. Three games and, and sweep it, and be World Series champions. And they're, they're, it's never going to leave them. Like going to be a part of Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel. You know, it's going to be a part of their careers for however long they play. Mm-hmm. And that's the punishment of this. That's and that the that's the that's the whole. They put themselves, they just themselves. Justin Under I thought articulated it well in spring training last year. You know, this, we put ourselves this whole, and no one going to give this team the benefit of doubt ever. Even if in the next three games World Series champions are still going to always doubt that. There's still going to be always people that call it into question that question the legitimacy of it and you know you just mentioned you know this team was good enough and, and you see it now you know you don't ever want to speak in absolutes but we can pretty much assume that they're not cheating anymore and they're the, the best team in baseball and that's probably the tragedy of the whole thing is that the in 17 about doing it. And they did it anyway. And a lot of things. And, um, you know, publicly I don't think, they will, publicly they will never say that they're trying to validate a lot of things and prove people wrong. But I think privately that does drive some of them. And I think if you read between the lines sometimes with what they say and kind of how they act, they do that as a driving force. Is Isn't the only force, because like I said, I mean, everybody that reports to spring training every year for every I mean, their goal is a World Series, so it's not like the, the they're they're doing it just for that, um, you know. But I, I think they do enjoy um, shutting people up. They do enjoy proving people wrong. You know, Carlos Correa certainly foremost among them probably enjoys a little bit more than everybody else. But um, this is a team that um, they will never say the wrong thing publicly. They're very diplomatic. They're very you know, they're not going to let it on that it affects them, or they're not going to let it on that they enjoy shutting people up. But you can rest assured that that is, um, that is the thing that, that does uh, keep them going a little bit.
0: Oh, how, how could it not? I think that they're definitely fueled, not, not just by that, but there is fuel to the fire because of that as well. Uh, you said that you know they're going to be without Verlander next year, without Granke. Uh, Correa is in the final year of his contract with the team. Is Correa definitely leaving in the offseason, or do you think they'll make a concerted effort to try and retain him?
6: There would have to be a, a pretty seismic shift in how the Astros do business for Correa to come back here. You know, um, They tried to extend him in spring training. They offered him two contracts. One was six for 120. One was five for 125. and um, I'm paraphrasing here, but Carlos Correa basically laughed at them and, and said that that was not going to get it done. And then he came out and had the best season of his career, Um, led all position players in war. Um, He's the youngest shortstop on the market. Uh, He's going to make a fortune. Um, He has made it known that he wants a, and these are his words, he's made it known that he wants a big contract and a long contract. Mm -hmm. Um, The Astros, under Jim Crane, their owner, the longest free agent deal they've ever given out and the most lucrative free agent deal they've ever given out is four years for $52 million in the job in 2017. Wow. Um, this is a team that does not spend in free agency. They, they spend money. They, they were over the luxury tax in 2000. they carried a near $2 million payroll. Um, so they do spend money. They just don't spend it in free agency. They spend it on contract extensions. They spend it, um, they acquire some salaries in trades. You know They, they extended both Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve for an excess of $100 million. They Justin Verlander a year $66 million extension a couple of years ago. So the way they done business, is really not going after the big money free agents. And the way that proceeded the last couple years when they've had marquee free agents in in their their final year, Garrett Cole walked, George Springer walked, Dallas Keuchel walked. Um, It seems like it's trending that way with Correa. Um, Correa, I would argue, is different than those three guys. Mm. He means so much to this franchise, so much to this team. I mean, he without question the leader of this team. He is, there. he is what makes this thing go. He is the glue that put this thing together when it was supposed to fracture. Um, he is, he is more into the team spokesman. He, he is everything for this team, and that doesn't even count what he does defensively. Um, you know, he's not having a great world series, but when he's offensively, it takes that lineup to a completely different level. So, um, you know, I would argue that... The Astros should try. Um, I, I don't think. I think they will try. I don't think it will be a legitimate effort. I think they will kind of give them. I think they will kind of give Correa's camp. You know, look, here's what we're willing to do, and then when that dollar amount in years are ultimately not what they're looking for, I, I think they'll just kind of have that understanding that it's just not going to work. So, um, unless th- again, unless there is a complete shift in how they do business, and unless you know Jim Crane gets you know some i i think honestly maybe winning the world series would help yeah. because that would maybe um you know the fans have already started chanting pay correa at playoff games when he does something good so the fans are already like all over jim crane to pay him i wonder if they do win the world series and the fan you know the fan reaction just becomes overwhelming i wonder if that does force jim crane into a legitimate offer, a legitimate run at re-signing him. But Correa has made it known, and I think Correa has played it perfectly publicly all season. You know, He's made it known on numerous occasions that he wants to come back. But he's also made it known on numerous occasions that he's not going to take a hometown discount, that he's not going to take anything below what he feels he's worth. And, you know, he puts himself in the same plane a lot of times as Francisco Lindor. He's one of his good friends from Puerto Rico, fellow shortstop. Um, Lindor signed a ten-year, three hundred forty-one million dollar extension before the season. Um, you can go look at Correa's numbers as compared to Lindor's. Correa's a better player. Yeah. So he wants something in that neighborhood, and that is a lot of money. And I could, and that's a, more than the money. That's a lot of years. And I could, I could even argue that the Astros shouldn't do that. that. You know, those those ten-year deals, those those deals, you, know, you never know how that's going to the Six or seven for that deal. You don't want to be hamstrung by that. So. Uh, there's a lot of factors going in but I guess the way I boil it down is, you know, unless there's a big shit in the way the Astros do business, I is back here.
0: Well, and in the way that the Astros do business, does that exclude them now from going on and getting at the other four big shortstops, like a Trevor Story or a Corey Seager or a Marcus Simeon, amongst others? Does that um, take them out of that market as well, then?
6: Well, they do have some. They're one best prospects in their minor league system is a guy named Jeremy Pena. Um, you may know his dad. His dad was Geronimo Pena, who played in the big leagues for about 10 years, he was with the Cardinals for a little while. Um, he, they view him as the heir apparent.
7: Okay. They
6: think um, he broke his wrist this season and missed to the minor league season, but he's actually, he's on their major league taxi squad right now, traveling with the team to playoff run. He's going to go play center ball again in the Dominican. Um, I could see them, if Correa come back, I think what they're going to do is maybe sign a veteran on a one-year deal, um, like a stopgap, maybe command the position while Jeremy Pena is seasoning and triple. And then you can maybe see him get called up a year next year. Um, they also have a Ledmus Diaz on their roster, who's kind of been the utility guy um, for the last But he's a natural shortstop. So maybe a Diaz have everyday playing time next year and you know, maybe see if when he's ready, bring him up and shift Diaz back into that. So I don't see them being a a huge player in that, in that shortstop free agent market. I could be completely wrong, but that's kind of how I view where they're at right now. And like, like I said, I mean, this is a team that doesn't spend free agency. Um, They've built their, their minor league farm system is nowhere near as good as it once was just because of graduation and guys that are currently playing at the big league level. But Um, they've got a few prospects that they like and they want to maybe keep it that way. So I don't see them being, if they're going to sign one of the shortstops in the free agent market, it's going to be Correa. But I, like I said, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think you'll maybe see them if they do go outside for a shortstop, maybe, maybe get a veteran on a one-year deal to come in here with the understanding that Jeremy Pena is, um, in AAA and they want to get in a little more seasoning and you, maybe June or July, you see him come up and they give him the reins. Um, but that i i would say they would take that route over um, over going into the market for one of those big guys and, and i think you know next year their priorities in the winter should probably be finding a veteran starting pitcher to maybe put at the front of the rotation i'm not you know, a Verlander type. I don't know if they would re sign Verlander, but I think a, a Verlander type at the front of that rotation to really tie it together.
0: Yeah, it seems like that's something that they're going to need to do. And I think that you're probably right with your scenarios for shortstop. Chandler, we appreciate you taking some time, especially knowing how busy you are right now, to come on our show. So thank you so much for that. Before we let you go, is there anything that we can plug for you and where can people follow you on Twitter?
6: Yeah, I'm at Chandler underscore Rome on Twitter and yeah, just HoustonChronicle.com. Um, we're with, we've been with them since February, and we'll be with them until this, this series ends, whenever that may be. So um, follow along, and hopefully uh, hopefully, we get some more entertaining games because these first games in the World Series have kind of been clunkers.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely – we were actually just talking about that earlier and show how the whole postseason has kind of been a clunker. Hey, man, good luck to you. Enjoy the rest of the postseason. Hopefully we'll talk to you again here in the future. All right, thanks. All right, take care. And that was Chandler Rome, Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, joining us. Really great interview. We're really sorry for the technical difficulties that we had there. Uh, I don't know if it was something on our end or something on his end. No idea. Um, But it was... We, we could hear what he was saying, but it was it was choppy. A little broken up, yeah. yeah it was broken up, but we we heard everything he said, and we're, we apologize if it was a bad listening experience for you, but really nothing we could do about him. We didn't want to not have him on the show. So great interview, just really poor sound quality. Uh, thanks for tuning in, it, though. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, just a reminder, remind something else you can tune in to is join us uh, every Thursday, 1130 a.m. You can join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas. KZ will help you set your lineups and find deep sleepers that might still be on your waiver waiver. Wire in order to help you win your matchups. It's all brought to you by CCBC, the Maryland Department of Transportation, and Glory Days Grill. That's the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalis every Thursday at 11:30 a.m. You can watch it at Facebook.com/slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com/slash Radio. We're gonna get a break when we come back. We're gonna we're gonna close things out with Take to Rake.
3: The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org.
2: Once again this season, Pressbox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime and he's once again joined post-game by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalas, and more. Watch the show at facebook.com/pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com. Flash Radio Press Box's Project Game Day Every Game Day presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation
3: as one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and Showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland five star.us with
2: the number five every seat is the best seat at MT bank stadium don't miss a moment of ravens football this season single game tickets are now available at baltimore ravens.com slash tickets
3: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
2: If you change lanes and brake suddenly in front of my tractor trailer, I won't be able to stop. Our lives could change forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close.
6: Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration
3: The latest edition of Press Box Is available now On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons For Brenda Freeze as the head coach Of the Maryland women's basketball team As she looks back, but also looks forward Plus we introduce you to men's and women's College basketball players From every D1 program in the area And the very first Baltimore interview With Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be The Orioles pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at
7: PressBoxOnline.com. What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser, I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. The next Tyus
0: Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 16th at Mothers in Timonium. It's brought to you by PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia
1: welcome back to the bat around that uh, that that segment i should say not that show but that segment with Chandler Rome was presented by the Toyota RAV4. Make the most out of every day at a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out biotoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. And the latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team, as she looks back but also looks forward Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area, and the first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the number one Orioles pick in next year's MLB draft. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: All right, it's been a good
1: show. Yeah.
0: Um the only hiccup was the sound quality, but nothing we've really. Could not, about uh, I, I don't
1: think on our end. I yeah, do I don't, I don't think it was on our end
0: either. But um, the the ringing in the middle, the the ringing that was bizarre. Operator voice. Yeah,
1: I I don't know what that. was I have no idea. That was not again. That was not our phone here ringing. So I'm not sure entirely what that was. Yeah, but uh, no big deal.
0: No big deal. We still heard him. We still had a great interview with him. So hopefully we'll be able to get him back on the show sometime next season.
1: Definitely. Um, Which seems like a long time away.
0: It, it does, man. It's going to go quick, though.
1: It always does. I remember last year in all au- we, uh, we we were talking about, what are we going to talk about in the offseason? We've got, you know, the Orioles aren't going to make many moves. How are we going to fill this time in the offseason? Then it went very easily, and we got back, and it was opening day before you knew it. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, the, we are a little nervous about the CBA yeah. ending um, and the, the likely work stoppage, and it's not that we don't feel like we can do a show. It's just that... Um, well, we're nervous about uh, this, uh, for the sake of baseball Yeah, alone. For, for the sake of baseball, but then also, like, if there's a work stop, there's going to be a freeze on everything. And a right. lot of our show is predicated upon what, happens week, what, to what week. happens week to week and us being able to talk to it and getting people to cover those teams that are making those moves on the show to talk about those moves and what the forecast is for the, re- for the rest of the offseason, what they're going to do next season. Right. And if there's nothing going on... right. What do you talk about?
1: We can't predict the Orioles' 25, 26, 27 lineups. Uh, you know, 26, 20, yeah, well, 2026, I should but say. But one thing I will tell you is that Zach and I are pros. So we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure we'll, it out. We'll, we'll find
0: something to talk about. But more so, hopefully, Major League Baseball and the Players Association figures it out. And we yeah. don't have to worry about it.
1: I Wouldn't that be great? I, I, I don't want to keep harping on this. I know we've talked about this a lot. I have a feeling it will be a lot less of, of a deal than we think it will be. I have a feeling we're going to look back on this in in a year time from now and say, "Oh, that wasn't really that big of a deal." Like the they, teams want to play, players want to play, um, and I think Major League Baseball it's in their best interest for everything to to move quickly and for this thing to get figured out. I think they're going to figure this out real in in a two month span. would be my guess, but I, I could be wrong. Are you saying that haters going to hate? Lover's gonna love. I don't really want. It's not at none all what of I was the saying. above. If anybody has
0: seen saying. the Chappelle show, you know what I was getting at. There, we're not gonna see the rest of it.
1: Definitely, definitely not at all what I was saying. But point is, I think I think this is gonna last no more than like two months. Yeah. No, but,
0: I I, I th- I'm 100 percent confident there's gonna be a season in 2022. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, for And maybe sure. not even an interrupted season. Yeah. But they all got it. They got to get on the same
1: page. Look, even if it's a 140 game season. I'm fine with that. You know, 140 games is what I'd like to see the season be anyway, instead of 162. I think 140 games is like a perfect kind of number for, for baseball to be at. So, and you know, it's it's kind of a mix of what they used to be and what they are it now. It would
0: be nice. I like when the season starts because I don't want to wait longer than I have to for Major League Baseball. True. Right? True. But I, I can see the argument because it's still cold mm-hmm. in April around these parts. <laughs> it's still cold <laughs> yeah. in April, so if you start the season on May 1st and you play 140 games rather than 162, yeah. I eventually get on board with it. I don't want that. I, I mean, want as much it, baseball as I can get, even though I am a, a bludgeoned Orioles fan. Um, I want as much baseball as I can get, but if they go to
1: that, I'll get on board.
0: It, it, I'll, it'll it, never be that low. It'll be like 154 games, if
1: anything. Sure, sure. But... But with the with the possible CBA negotiations, it could be shortened to 140 somewhere around. Yeah, there, right? well, well yeah, yeah, it's a possibility for, for one season. Yeah, for, uh, one se- for one season. Exactly. I'm,
0: I'm talking about like a full
1: time move. Tonight. Oh no, 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 but no. Uh, that, that's not going to happen. Not anytime yeah. soon, at least.
0: So take the rake. I took Carlos Correa because that dude always performs in the playoffs. He does. You took Jose Altuve because that dude always <laughs> performs in the playoffs. <laughs> right, yeah. He has the second most playoff home r- postseason home runs in the history of the game, trailing only Manny Ramirez. They both stunk up the joint this week. Uh, Correa went 1 for 10. Nice. And Altuve went 2 for 13. Excellent. However, Altuve's a main reason why the Astros won game two. Mm -hmm. He had a double. He had a home run. He had two runs scored. A couple of RBIs. So even though he didn't necessarily rake, and 2 for 13 is certainly not raking, no, we'll give you the win this week. Okay, we're gonna Fair give enough. you the win this week because he had an impact on a game with his bat. Right,
1: and there's only so many games in. The, the, they you played know, three in games each, in each series. Right, they they, we, they played three games. Right. You
0: know, um, the World Series had basically the, the 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 participants in the World Series. The Astros were already in it. Uh by the time we made our picks last Saturday, the Braves and Dodgers still had that game where the Braves won that night. Yep. The World Series didn't even start for 3 days after that. Right. So legitimately, they played 3 games. Right. Uh for Take Drake. He had his bat was a major impact on game 2. You win Take Drake this week. There could only be there can only be. <laughs> Let's play Take Drake one more
1: time. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's not? do it
0: one more time because there could only be two games left. I think it's going seven. Honestly, I picked the Astros to win in six, but knowing that the Astros are doing a bullpen game today and the Braves have a bullpen game t- today and tomorrow, and this is going to go back to H- back to Houston um, for games six and seven, we're going to do one more one more week of Take to Rake. We just
1: can't let it go because we don't do it all off season. You won. We're, g- we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. You pick first. Wow. This is tough. I mean, not, obviously, I'm not going to pick Correa. Um, I was thinking about Kyle Tucker, but I don't really see. He, he's been okay. You know, he's, I think he said about 270-something in this playoff run so far. I look at the Braves. I don't see a lot of great options there. Uh, you know, I, I'll go Freddie Freeman. Why not? Freddie Freeman. All right. Yeah. Something
0: inside me is telling me Alex Bregman. Okay. He had a base hit last night. It's a good player. Really good player. I'm going to Alex Bregman. Okay. I'm going to go Alex Bregman for the final week of Take to Rake. <laughs> Brings a tear to
1: my eye. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I remember saying in April, I was like, Take to Rake is back. It's back for you know the foreseeable future because we probably had, what, 30 shows in between yeah. the, you know, now and then. So it's, it sucks to see it go, but you know it is what it is. is
0: it, I was actually thinking about that last night. We've had like thirty shows this year, like thirty. That's a lot. Probably more than that. When, when when you're a weekly show, I mean, just for the baseball season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had thirty shows this year, and they've flown by. Right. You know, I'm sad, man. I'm sad that the baseball season when we when we talk to you guys next Saturday, baseball will be over. Yep. yep. And that that that
1: makes me sad. This so uh, this is the last in season show too. It's yeah, another, it's another the last in season
0: show. Um, but we will get to talk more Orioles uh, starting next Saturday. Which no one's
1: complaining about. Yeah. We love talking Orioles.
0: We, we love talking the Orioles and what they're going to do, what they're not going to do. What we're things gonna, they're going to screw up. Inevitably, we're going <laughs> to have to talk about um, the, the the collective bargaining agreement or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hoping and praying all the while for no work stoppage. Uh, a lot of jobs depend on there not being a work stoppage. Hopefully, they can get their, get their act together. Nothing to talk about. With the Ravens, nothing no. to talk about. With the Ravens, they got their butts handed them by the I Bengals. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay. Do you look at that game as the beginning of the end for the season, or do you look at it like I look at the Browns game from 2019, where it kind of like wakes them up a little bit like, hey, we need to play better, and then they
1: go on a run. Look, I mean, for the Ravens to be 5-2 and two, after having, what, 16 guys on injured reserve— and having many more that are injured that are not even on injured reserve is an accomplishment. I think they're in a pretty okay spot. But the Bengals are really good. Well, at least I think they're really good. They did lose the Bears, so maybe they're not that good. But they're, they're pretty good. And you've got a team like the Browns who inevitably is going to come back and probably put up a 10-win season at least. At least. Could be twelve. I don't know if this season twelve. They've already got three losses. Yeah, but Baker Mayfield's coming back now, and he might be a little bit healthier. They got to the play the, the Ravens
0: twice. They got to play the Steelers twice. They got to yeah. play
1: the Bengals twice. I think they'll beat the Steelers both times. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and they could beat the Bengals too. I the Bengals are a weird team. They lost the Bears. Are so they going to beat know. the Bengals twice? Maybe not. Probably they'll probably split one. But yeah. as the Ravens, might I be, think I, I think ten wins is more accurate. That that could be accurate. Um, I don't see it as the end of the season, but it's definitely a wake up call. They need to figure the defense out. They can't tackle. They well, can't tackle. They, they can't tackle,
0: and Glenn, he did a would-you-rather Wednesday, mm-hmm. and one of the would-you-rathers is that the Ravens go out and get an offensive lineman
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a legitimate backup running back with some burst, mm-hmm. so a guy who would start here but is a backup someplace else, like an Alexander Madison or a Pollard from, a, from Dallas. Mm,
1: Tony Pollard would be nice.
0: Or a middle linebacker that can tackle, that can kind of get this defense back to playing some Ravens football?
1: I don't think they're going to get a middle linebacker, because I think they, won. believe too much it's in a, Patrick it's, Queen. It's, it's not who you think, it's would you rather. Would what I, what I rather? Uh, I'd rather go get the O-lineman. Yeah. I, I think Josh Bynes has made a really big difference. Um, and I don't really think middle linebacker is the main source of the tackling issues. Um, I, I think that's just part of the tackling issues. I think Josh Bynes has really helped there. Um, and I, I think the, the, the secondary is one of the biggest issues. I mean, Anthony Avert can't tackle. Marlon Humphrey, has had, Marlon Humphrey just tries to jam the ball out every time. He's trying to punch it out. Yeah. Therefore, he misses the tackle. Um, Deshaun Elliott's a pretty good tackler, but Chuck Clark has missed his fair share. Uh, Jimmy Smith has missed his fair share, too. Uh, Brandon Williams has been terrible in the defensive line this year. He's, he's had basically no value. Um, so it, it's a, it's a, it's an all-around bad effort that the Ravens' defense is. So I don't think middle linebacker, I don't think one guy is going to change anything. So I'll take the O-lineman. See, I took a linebacker mm-hmm. because I said, look,
0: the Ravens already have a bunch of backup running backs that they're running out there every game. Mm-hmm. The offensive line, there's not much you can do. You're not going to get a starter. Uh, you're not going to get a guy of much value to come in there uh, to help out your offensive line, and you don't really have running backs with a ton of burst as it is. Yeah, I don't think there's really much changing the running game unless you bring in like a James Robinson or a Marlon Mack. Oh, so James Robinson would be great. Uh, yeah, but then they'd have to keep him, and then and, you have no place for him next year. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I took I took linebacker because the tackling has been so egregiously bad oh. that I, I I. But I if, I get your point and i i don't i don't necessarily disagree with you I, are you surprised that they haven't made a move yeah at this what? point because we're 4 th- days out 3 days out 3 days out deadline? from the trade deadline and
1: they haven't made a move then they might not the Ravens, yeah. I mean, if you look at the the, uh, the moves the Ravens have made in the past two years, it was Marcus Peters in 2019, and then Yannick Ngakwe in 2020, and both moves were made, I think, about a week and a half before the deadline, if not sooner. So, clearly, Decosta. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's on the phone. I'm sure he's making calls. I'm sure he's he reaching He would be out. doing his job if he wasn't. Right, I'm sure he's listening and trying to figure things out, but Decosta always says, right player, right price, and clearly nothing's been right player, right price for them. Um, but I, I, I've heard Andre Dillard is a possibility as an O-lineman they could pick up, and you mentioned a guy like Tony Pollard would be great. I'm not sure the Cowboys will be willing to give him up, but I mean, there's options out there for them. It's just about right player, right price, and you know, I, the, the me, Cowboys aren't going to give up. I, 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 I doubt it. And to me, I, I, I don't see the Ravens making a move at this point. It's just kind of late. I, I, I they really have made the moves earlier in the season in the past few years. So if, if that holds true, I don't think they'll make a move. Yeah,
0: I, I Glenn and I heard Isaiah win um as a salary dump for the patriots uh-huh but i i'm inclined to think they don't do anything i think they're trying yeah um but i if they haven't made a move by now right it
1: just seems late especially
0: right? especially when you had the bye week right and you had two weeks to get this guy ready right to play in your system i think they would have made it at the beginning of this week rather than at the end not
1: only that it's it's a holiday weekend where weekend trades rarely happen anyway so yeah, it's, but it's just Halloween. It's I, not like I, a I know, but it's just it's still a thing. Like it, weekend trades are not really that common. And more stuff happens on Mondays than it does over on you know on Saturdays and Sundays. So especially not on Sunday because everyone's playing football. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just don't really see this as a as a possibility anymore, which is disappointing. yeah. And you saw Mark Ingram get traded
0: back to the Saints. It's you saw pick. Yeah, Kenny Young, who the Ravens traded for Marcus <laughs> Peters. Yeah, he gets traded to the Broncos. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Those two of the three positions we just talked about yep. getting already getting traded. I'd like to see the Ravens make a move, uh, even if it's for a running... Uh, I uh, Ideally, I want a running back. That can, I do, too. They, I, yeah. I want a running back very badly that can, so... that can help. Because the defense will get better right. by not being on the field. Right. Right. If yeah. you know, the are running game, if you can get back to, to running the ball like the Ravens run the ball. Not even the way the Ravens have been running the ball the last two years. If you can get back to running the ball... Hundred yards a game. That's fine, right? Then, then
1: you're keeping teams off balance a little bit. And Lamar doesn't have to be 85 of them. Um, yeah, you need some other guys. Le'Veon Bell is horrible. I'll be honest with you. He, and he's done. He has zero speed. Zero. He can't get around the corner of anything. Devontae Freeman. He looks okay. He's I like got, it. I like he, Freeman. He's got a little bounce. Got a little. Uh, you know. Got a little sidestepping in his game. And but, I like what Murray provides. but and he's got to get healthy. Murray when healthy is is fine. But Le'Veon Bell. Um, not good Tyson Williams has a bounce but he ran out of bounds on a fourth down last week and tried to, instead of trying to get it so yeah. he's gone um, I, I, would, I would expect he's probably done anyway He they don't play him he has fumbling issues gets out of bounds on a fourth down instead of trying to get it I mean there's yeah. a lot of problems there so they need to pick up someone um, James Robinson would be amazing even Marlon Mack who I told you two weeks ago that I wasn't really into that idea if you can get him for the right price I'm fine for that Marlon Mack was really
7: good
0: in 2019. He was. He, was. he was. really good. and He was going to be in a timeshare mm-hmm. with Jonathan Taylor last year, and then yep. he got hurt. Yep. A- and now he's number three. He gets, what, two touches a game? Right. Marlon Mack is a guy that I, is, I think is the most realistic. It's yeah. just whether the Colts are going to ask
1: for I've, I've heard the Chargers are also interested in Marlon Mack. So yeah. We'll see if that works out yeah. there.
0: Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to the Bat Around. Uh, thanks for indulging us with our Ravens talk even when they don't have a game this week. Oh, speaking of which, the Ravens don't have a game, but that doesn't mean that you can't pay attention to football this week. And we did hear a little bit from Stan about the uh, about the sports betting and how there's good, that meeting's been rescheduled, and we could see it here by the playoffs. However, if you're still disappointed that uh, sports betting isn't in place in Maryland. We are too. It should have been here by now. But if you want to win some money on football, you can do it legally. And we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX and whatever you download, up to $100, we will match. That's right. Up That's right, up to $100 when you use the code PRESSBOX. We will match your 100 If you want to put in $0.75, cents, we'll match your $0.75. Cents. If you want to put in $83.15, we'll match your $83.15. If you want to put in $13,672.97, we will give you $100. We will match you up to $100. Why not do it? Underdog not only has daily and season-long fantasy contests, but also prop bets and fun parlay games where you can win every week this season. And it's not just football. There's plenty of baseball contests on Underdog also, but that's almost over. So go to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy, click on the Underdog logo, deposit your $10 and get your $10 free or your $100 free or everything you want from 0 to 100 Or use the code PressBox at underdogfancy.com and have fun winning money with PressBox and Underdog. Good show, Zach. Yes. We'll have some great guests for you on the show undoubtedly next week. Until then, see ya.